I'm sure I'm not alone in this. We've all done it. Talk to our pals in school, at college, or the workplace even. Or even the bar. Wherever. After watching this week's offering of pro wrestling and talked about what you would do differently. The following episode of the Nitrogen Podcast is proudly brought to you by Promotion Wars. The free wrestling sim where you can book matches, title changes, feuds and way more. Promotion Wars is a free wrestling management simulator that has been brought up to date for 2021. Born 16 years ago, the game now features over 1,900 wrestlers, thousands of venues, over 280 pre-built match types, 21 promotions and the chance to create your own independent company from scratch. Just think football manager, but for the wrestling world. You can download it for free today at promwars.co.uk, P-R-O-M-W-A-R-S.co.uk. So why don't you try what you've always talked about and armchair book your promotion to the top of the wrestling world. We are one night removed in the WCW timeline in 1996 from Bash at the Beach 1996. It's now officially in the archives in the bag in the can. You can see that one or listen to that one rather on all your favourite podcast networks as you probably picked this one up as well. Go back, have a listen. The entire pay-per-view is there to listen to. It's me, Marvelous Mark Ashworth. It's my man over there, Bodacious Brian Bradshaw and our guest, the wonderful, beautiful Beth Blade McDonald covering the entire pay-per-view i hope you enjoyed it and if you haven't listened to it go back we seriously had a lot of fun with it but right now we're going to head into nitro number 43 of course this is the night after it all changed it's in uh disney's mgm studios in orlando florida with 600 people in attendance in an outdoor uh setting for this one before we go into this i just want to see how my man over there is doing after the crazy happenings last week in real life let alone bash at the beach 1996 in real life because what a night we had recording that episode i actually tweeted out that it was the most fun i've had on this podcast so far and i've had a lot of fun but just the different dynamics that we had you know be having that extra person the third woman as you said the third man the third <laughs> woman uh yeah just having that third person on with us it just it really put me to the test on how I educate someone who isn't really a wrestling fan, which is what we are. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And the pay-per-view was fucking phenomenal. I absolutely really, really enjoyed it. A couple of dud matches, but overall, just like storytelling, top, top fucking cruiserweight matches on it. I think there were two, weren't there? You know, just yeah. across the board, I, I, I just really, really enjoyed it. Even, like, one of the worst matches on the card was John Tenter and Big Bubba, and yet we still had fun talking about it. Yeah. And that's what this podcast is all about. Even when it's at its, uh, when wrestling is at its worst, when WCW is at its worst, we can just pick it apart, have a laugh, have a joke about it. And, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend listening to that ed- episode because you can just see how how much we all enjoy doing it. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And as you were saying there about what the podcast is about, today would be officially our first birthday, Brian. Congratulations. Yeah, you too. And <laughs> what a fucking episode to, to start us off on our one-year anniversary. It's incredibly bizarre how it's all come around this way. It, this was not planned, folks. I like <laughs> we, we, we 
on, we're being completely honest here, and we're actually recording this at the time as well that more or less that Nitro would have actually started. I mean, we're about ten minutes behind, uh, ten minutes before it would have started. But yeah, this is around the, the time, and I remember exactly where I were. I remember what I were doing. You know, this it's really bizarre how, how everything's come around even twenty years later for me, especially. Uh, no, I would actually have to correct. It. Go on. I'd, I'd have to correct you because of daylight savings. Natural would actually be on now. Oh, see, what, what I was thinking that I was thinking would it start at two a.m. or one a.m. But I, I wasn't. I'm, I'm just not. I don't know. No, it but, would have started at midnight. Ah, okay, okay. So natural would have been on. We would have been halfway through it. Yeah, wow. incredible stuff. And here we are, twenty years later. I'm talking to a good pal of mine about the times that changed wrestling. Of course, we're talking about July. 8th, 1996 here, WCW Nitro, number 43, as I've said, from Orlando, Florida, just around the corner from where Bash at the Beach took place. Today, we're going to get started off with Tony and Larry discussing the disgusting actions of Hulk Hogan last night at the Bash at the Beach, and if you're unaware of what Hulk Hogan did, well, I'm surprised, but again, plug for the previous podcast which is the 1996 Bash at the Beach watch along, which was a lot of fun. We can't yeah. exclaim that enough. The beers were flowing. It was a great night, uh, and we had a lot of fun with it. And saying if you didn't know, Beth didn't know all about this either. She didn't. Fresh so, eyes. Yeah, so the fact that we had fresh eyes on the podcast, like something that is well-renowned in wrestling history. I mean, literally everybody fucking knows that Hulk Hogan uh, was the third man all along, yeah. and Beth didn't have a clue, and she was shocked. Yeah. And... And that's what I love to see. And that, well, I say I love to see, love to fucking hear, because uh, elephant in the room was still recording from a from five minutes walk away from each other, rather than in the same room. Where by this time we, we would have hoped we would have been recording in person. A fucking year has gone by, and we've not done a single episode in person, Mark. No, that's you know, true. It's, you know, I, I'm going to it. Old man yells at cold. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right now, just like curse the fucking world and all that. But, even then, like, I think... I, I actually did listen to our first episode uh, the other day, and we have come on leaps and bounds. Yeah. I even even with our limitations, we have come on leaps and bounds. We're, we're very comfortable in it now. But I, I, I can't say it enough. When we actually do this in person, it's going to get even better. Oh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy, but it's coming somewhere down the line. Hopefully soon, you know, the world is starting to... Well, I say the world. The UK is starting to slowly but surely get back on its feet again. And maybe we can crack open that bottle of whiskey that you got me for my birthday and just just knock the shit out of some WCW United. I just love that. Oh, and speaking of, uh, not to forget the top rope TSS, the TRTT or the turret, that I aptly called it on the Bash of the Beach episode. Of course. I had Mark suggest a beer today, and he couldn't even remember what beers I actually had, but he just went, Canadian Destroyer. So... I ch- checked the fridge and I fucking knew that I had it in, but I'm just like, do I have Canadian Destroyer? Yeah, I have Canadian Destroyer, which is 6.6% Maple Pecan Stout. And fucking hell am I looking forward to this one? Because <laughs> one of my favourite things is maple syrup. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this has to be good. So, obviously, got to get a sound bite of the can opening. There we go. And the first swig. Wow. That is nowhere near as a, as strong a stout as they expected it to be. Yeah, but it's really really nice. That Good. really nice. It, it goes down really well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you, you, really you have to sort of consciously remember that <laughs> that it's there and that it's a stout. Just remember. Yeah, well, I'm pouring it into me uh, natural gen glass as we speak. 
That's right, folks. We have That's nitrogen it. glasses, and nobody else can get them. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Holy fuck! It's filled. It's filled. It. Jesus Christ! There's a lot of head on that. I didn't. I didn't bore it quite. You can tell I'm not a stout drinker because I don't know how to fucking pour one. Oh, slow, slow and steady and smooth at a very good angle. Um, yeah. The thing... it, it's not not quite a lager where you can actually rush it a little bit. Yeah. The the yeah. thing the thing with that um the thing with that Canadian destroyer I don't know if you got the Imperial Canadian destroyer as well did you get that one no so the, there's a, there's a difference between the two basically the Imperial not only is it stronger sorry yeah stronger in uh, like in ABV but also um it's thicker as well so stouts are notoriously thick um but the Imperial is more on a level of stout than the stout is, if you know what I mean. The stout is just that tiny bit too runny to be a stout yeah. for me. It's more it's more edging towards porter than stout. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I can only assume that the guys at Top Rock, uh, I never said Top Rock, taste test, at Top Rock <laughs> Brewery, um, I can only imagine that this was one of their first attempts of a stout because I remember drinking the Halloween Havoc and that was a thick, it was thicker than this, you know, so. Yeah. But this is like one of their more highly rated drinks. It's one of their longest running drinks from what I can gather. So, you know, uh, yeah, I can forgive them for it being a little bit runny and being uh, less of a stout than it should be. But again, I, I can't really appreciate a good stout because I'm not really a stout drinker. The only stout that I really drank apart from the Halloween Havoc was Guinness when I was over in Dublin. So there you go. <laughs> Funnily enough, I've had two Guinness tonight as well. Not proper Guinness, well, obviously. It's Guinness out of the can, which is just like the bastard child of Guinness. But there you go. So we can I think get the at this in time. The bastard child of Guinness is Guinness that's not in Dublin, yeah. or not in Ireland in general. <laughs> true, true. Uh, and cheap plug, as seen as we're plugging everybody else, you can now visit nitrogencast.com. <laughs> we have a website, and you're going to yeah, be seeing finally. a lot of stuff on there, which is going to be uh, Brian's Nitrogen broadcast, and also we've got the wonderful Gary McDonald doing his AW write-ups from time to time. We're really glad to have Gary on board with that as well. The store well, isn't open as yet. Uh, we've had a, a couple of hiccups with the old e-commerce side. However, the this, this site does work. You can go over there and you can browse away and it'll obviously give you information on forthcoming episodes, ideas for forthcoming episodes as well. And you can donate to us as well. We're not asking for money, of course, but if you'd like to spare a couple of quid for us uh, to, to help with server costs and whatever else, that would be greatly appreciated as always. Um, but yeah, Brian, we've got a website as well. It's been a year in the making. The, the birthday of the podcast... Um, we're yeah. going to blow out the candle with a, an official website. Yeah, and uh, talking about a birthday surprise, because we, we talked about Gary getting uh, getting, in, getting Gary on board to doing some AEW write-ups. I didn't know he'd agreed to it, so thank you for dropping that one on me right oh, now. Oh, sorry, yeah, I thought I told uh, you. No, 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 it's better on the podcast than always. <laughs> you know, it's, this, this, you know, you get a pure reaction. I don't, I don't have to play podcasts and go, oh, really? I can actually go, yeah, wow, that's a... <laughs> Actually, that sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping kayfabe alive, <laughs> yeah. even if it does sound worse, doesn't matter. Well, and also, I th- uh, one thing I have been meaning to suggest to Mark is how about a hotline, a WCW hotline, like uh, NGP hotline. We could put that onto the website itself, and you know, it's generally a mailbag, not a fucking falling thing. But if you just want to like send us. Send us a little message, you know, well wishes or, or whatever. Whatever you want to send us, you can just send us and we might read it out. Yeah, good shout. Because I, yeah, I thought you just, were going the uh, the mean gene I, route of the hotline, so we're just going to make up crazy stories and just like sort of fucking leave them a sound bites on the website. 
Mark, I'm on about branding here, dude. Got to keep with the WCW brand. Calling it a hotline is just perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you fucking breaking kayfabe. Oh, just my life. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do here. Because I'm feeling a little bit tired, because it is now 1 o'clock in the morning on the day that WCW died 20 years ago, um, I'm going to crack open a beer myself, and I'm going to hand over to my man Brian over here, because the first match here is going to be a WCW World Cruiserweight title match between Rey Mysterio Jr. and Dean Malenko. And I don't mind telling you, I enjoyed this a hell of a lot. Over to you, Brian. I have been waiting to talk about this for the last couple of days. Uh, I was actually messaging Mark as I was watching it, and I'm like, holy fuck, this match is brilliant. (laughs) I really enjoyed this match. Unfortunately, when I watched it back to to take the notes, and I noticed a few hiccups, which it doesn't ruin the match. It just takes a little bit of the sheen off. But we'll talk about that as I go along. So... Anyway, WCW Cruiserweight Championship, Rey Mysterio versus Dean Malenko. You cannot go wrong with this pairing. It's a blistering pace to start with Mysterio utilising his speed against Malenko, who, tries he might, can't keep Mysterio grounded, who catches him with a modified head scissor and a spinning arm drag takedown, forcing Malenko to take a powder early on. Mysterio takes advantage with a 619, but Malenko smartly ducks out of the way just in time. Back in the ring, Malenko attempts a brain buster, but Mysterio slips away and attempts a line salt, but Malenko catches him mid-air, only for Mysterio to scramble his way out to push him in the turnbuckle. I'm just reading this like it's a story, aren't I? <laughs> but this goes to show you how much I enjoyed it. I just did not miss a fucking detail out. Mysterio now attempts a Frankensteiner, but Malenko drops in and attempts to punch him as he is prone. But Mysterio slips away at the last minute, leaving Malenko to punch the mat. Mysterio takes advantage with two springboard drop kits for a two-count. There's an awkward moment as Mysterio follows up with a sunset flip attempt, but Malenko throws him off and it looks like Mysterio is playing possum. But Malenko missed his cue to, to pin, it seems, and uh, he stalls for a couple of seconds before rushing for a pin attempt. Just yeah. uh, a little bit of a weird moment, yeah. but uh, again, it's not the worst thing to happen in this match. Again, we'll get into that. Malenko goes for a power bomb and Mysterio reverses it into an arm drag takedown, but a rebound off the ropes results in a rough-looking tilt-a-whirl breakbreaker from Malenko. The pace slows down Malenko firmly on top here, and uh, Malenko hits a sweet overhead belly-to-belly suplex for two and locks in a reverse sur- uh, surfboard as we go to break. Back to the action as Malenko takes advantage of a rebound by flapjacking Mysterio, who lands fairly rough, and I mean, that looked really, really nasty. Mysterio just lands on, on his head. It's just really nasty looking, but I think Mysterio did that, you know, just to, just to put it over a little bit. Malenko follows up with a catching Tiger Driver for two, and a cradle camel clutch to keep him grounded. Malenko goes for a high knee from an Irish whip, but a slick as you like Mysterio rolls him up for a two count. Malenko gets to his feet quicker and dunks Mysterio on the top rope, who tumbles to the floor like a sack of fucking bricks. It, again, just nasty looking selling. It mm. just, Mysterio fucking sells like an absolute G in this match, yeah. I must say. Yeah. Mysterio struggles to get back in the ring as Larry says, this isn't beat the clock here, it's beat the punk. <laughs> Which I absolutely love. Unbelievable. More Matt's submissions from Malenko slows the pace in his favour and chucks Mysterio outside and hits a sickening brain buster onto the concrete, which was very rough looking. Back inside, Malenko hits a scoop slam for, for a two count and attempts a far away slam, but Mysterio reserves it into a lateral press for a two count of his own. 
The pace picks back up with a head scissor over the top from Mysterio. But again, Malenko misses a cue and throws himself over in another awkward moment. And then Mysterio hits an assai moonsault, but misses Malenko and falls straight onto the concrete or asphalt, asphalt as Tony keeps debating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a nasty bump. Yeah. But Malenko sells it anyway, despite the miss. Yeah. <laughs> which is really funny. Lara calls it as it is instead of covering it for other competitors. He just makes them look fucking thick here. Do your fucking job, Larry. <laughs> uh, there's, Larry is quite problematic in this. He's a little bit unprofessional, I must say. Mm. Back in the ring, Mysterio hits a top rope Frankensteiner for two. Incredible fucking move. Just so snappy, and Malenko sells it masterfully. Mysterio. Mysterio. Mysterio follows up with a BME. That's the best moonsault ever for the Christopher Daniels fans at home. For another two count. Mysterio goes up top and Malenko cuts him off with a fisherman gutbuster from the top. Holy <laughs> fucking hell. Mental. If you didn't know wrestling was a work, you'd actually believe uh, Malenko was trying to maim Mysterio in this match. Yeah. <laughs> it's just every move has reason. It's fucking brilliant. Malenko takes his time, cockily pulls up his knee pads and goes for a pin, but breaks it at two. Rebound overhead, belly to belly from the turnbuckle and another cover. But again, Malenko's over, Calvillas takes over and he breaks the pin. Fucking hell, I hate having to change papers. This is going to show you how much I had to write. <laughs> we get the finish here as Malenko goes for an Irish whip. But Ray Mysterio hits the Frankensteiner from the rebound for the victory. New Cruiserweight Champion crowned here in an awesome match that went just under 10, 10 minutes. Sensational stuff. And I have to say, Mark, had it not been for the few slip-ups, it would make a great case for it being better than Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair. But i got to say, it was so fucking close to perfect. Yeah, I think so I'd close. agree with that, yeah. You know, I couldn't give it five stars. Like, I think I gave uh, Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair five stars, didn't I? I can't remember, like, something like that. But even then, like, if if, it, if that was a four and a half, this was a four. I, I, it just, it wasn't as, as clean, but still... An incredible fucking match. One of the better matches on Nitro so far. Maybe yeah. shooting for second place. Yeah, definitely. Go um, out your way to watch this match. Totally. Um, the the details I got off online, uh, so there was a break in between, so the match actually went for 12 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave it four and a quarter stars uh, for any Dave Meltzer jack-offs out there. Um, <clears throat> this was... This was Phenomenal. The one thing I will pick up on, uh, you, you fucking did a superb job there, by the way. Uh, Ray, when he goes for the asphalt moonsault, if you want to call it that. <laughs> I can't believe I did not come up with that pun myself. Yeah, that's that's just uh, it's just waiting to be fucking taught that, isn't it? Um, the asphalt moonsault, uh, let's not <laughs> beat around the bush here. Malenko is well out of position. He completely misses the catch, and, and Ray hits like fucking really hard. He hits flat. But he hits hard. And I honestly thought, that is it. Ray ain't getting up from this. And if he does, he's going to be groggy as hell. The guy fucking got back in that ring and he, he just sh- just shook it off like instantly. Yeah. And he did. It, the, the, if the words consummate professional were to go to anybody right here, right now, it's Ray Mysterio in this match. Because he just he put his body on the line. It didn't work out for him. But he fucking carried on. like a Not even like a trooper, like a fucking stormtrooper. He, yeah. he just... It was phenomenal all the way through it, especially when you factor in that massive incident there that could have fucking could have ruined him. Yeah, it goes to show that he wanted to prove a point. You yeah. weren't going to let that little slip up 
get to him. He just got straight back up and brushed it off and just got on with it. He, I mean, he, he knew he knew ahead of time he was winning the title, but you're on TV here. You're not on paper, but you're on TV. This is where the eyes are. Yeah. You have to show yourself. And holy fuck did he do that. It, it's about it's sad the way a few slip ups, and I don't think people are going to remember that. They're gonna just gonna remember the match for what it was, just how great it was. And the the winner was right in the end. Just for that alone, he was right. Yeah, totally. The winner was right. Yeah. Things have got but, really exciting here when it comes to the WCW <laughs> Cruiserweight uh, division, if you like, if, you, if we can call it that yet, because you know we've only got the same four kind of wrestlers in the Cruiserweight division at this moment in time, but it's just getting so exciting. There's another one at the Bash of the Beach, obviously, again, go to the watch along. Um, we, we fucking like we all three of us essentially just blew a load in the fucking first twenty minutes of that pay per view. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think at one point we all went, "Holy fucking shit!" Yes. At the same time, of, yes, it, or variations of that. <laughs> yeah, that. so many, so many, so much more of this sort of stuff to come. I don't know how we're gonna handle it, to be honest. Um, oh fucking, I'm gas from just reading all that, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But a phenomenal I, I, match. Uh, I, I mean, I'm showing my hand. I've just got back from work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got home. I, I finished at half past ten, but I, I finished late tonight. And I ran home. I'm like, I can't be late. And Mark was late. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it is sometimes. And uh, yeah, I liked it all. I had a quick shower and a quick brew just to try and to perk myself up. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit gassed. I'm a little bit croaky. I've also got a bit of hair fever coming on. Uh, from the brief spring weather that we had, but uh, all two days of it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but you know, I, I mean, I'm fucking, I'm hyped after after talking about that match. I'm just hyped for the rest of the show because uh, if you can't tell, this was a show that I really really enjoyed. Yeah, and, and I, I've got to address the elephant in the room. Right? I kept saying it in the Bash of the Beach episode. I know what happens on this episode. I know what happens on this episode, Mark. I can't wait to talk about it because I know what's going to happen. Did I fuck? It's not the same episode. <laughs> WCW swerved you. I love it. That's brilliant. Yeah, but uh, pleasant surprise. We've got more cruiserweight action coming very shortly, so stick around, folks, uh, because that ain't all. Yeah, <laughs> and is, uh, certainly is not all. Next did up, you ta- did you take notes for, all, for that match? I did for the uh, for the next cruiserweight match. Yeah. I oh, thank God, because uh, <laughs> I took a break <laughs> <laughs> because because I've run out of ink and paper. <laughs> well, yeah. look. If if Brian's a little bit gassed, let's uh, let's let him get a bit of Canadian destroyer down his neck and uh, he can kick out at two. And I we'll feel go like into... I'm taking a Canadian destroyer to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> we'll go into the nasties and the Steiner brothers backstage with Mean Gene Auckland. Um, very quickly, this I, I haven't detailed much about it. The, the subtitles were needed for this, but the subtitle guy didn't do the job correctly. Um... Indistinct, indistinct, indistinct. <laughs> yeah. Can you guess who he said? Uh, who the caption guy? Raw indistinct for in this out of all four people, Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner. I I counted nine nine indistincts. Holy fuck! You're more committed yeah. to the cause than I am. I just kept seeing indistinct, indistinct, and I'm just like, I just really don't have time for this promo. No, I, I have to say that uh, when Scott gets on the mic and says um, he respects the nasty boys' wrestling ability, I just suspected he was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, look, I, uh, yeah, that's. I that's... I, 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 yeah. I I do we do have to talk about this promo a little bit. Does fucking Rick Steiner actually believe he's a dog now? Yeah, because he does. Yeah, it, yeah. He started sniffing the mic, <laughs> and then when um, when um, Brian Knob starts talking, he's hiding behind Mean Gene. Mean Gene. He's hiding behind Mean Gene, and he's barking. Yeah, 
And they're like, and Scott Steiner must think he's a dog as well because he keeps fucking patting his head. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, highlight uh, of the night, that promo. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Well, the basic emphasis is that they all respect each other, so they're all going to go and fight like it's the 4th of July, apparently, according to, to Brian Nobbs. So later okay. on tonight, we're going to see the Steiners versus the Nasty Boys in an absolute barn burner. Um, Shortly after that, we're going to see a, a, a Glacier promo again. And I called it a Mortal Kombat Annihilation vignette. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I watched the Mortal Kombat movies this week, and this fucking reeks of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and I don't even think it's out yet. <laughs> but it's just like everything, like the ups, upscale bloody uh, graphics and everything, like it, it just reeks of it, you know, mm. so cheesy, but in, in a very ironic way, I'm looking forward to Glacier. I'm looking forward to shitting on him. That's all. <laughs> That's all I'm looking forward to. Well, next up, we're going to see uh, a tag team match between the Dungeon of Doom, which is Big Brother and Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart versus the Blue Bloods, who are, of course, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Taylor with Earl Robert Eaton and Jeeves. At the beginning, we get the highlights from the uh, from the match that John Tenter and Big Bubba had. And all I wrote was, don't giggle at the sock on the pole. Don't giggle at the sock on the pole. Again, <laughs> if, if, if you don't know what we're on about, you've got to, wa- you've got to listen to the watch along. Uh, there is basically a roll of quarters in a sock, and the sock just just, oh, just oh, looks oh, like a flaccid penis. Yeah, all that, all that goes in my head when I see that bloody sock is, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, <laughs> give it away, give it away now. It's, it's fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers on a pole match. Yeah. We do also find out the name of the referee that we called, well, Brian, excellently, expertly called Rick Astley. <laughs> uh, his name is Jimmy Jet. And yeah. I'm absolutely delighted that he's got a name. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a Hannah Barbera cartoon character, doesn't it? Jimmy Jet. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> did, I, I, before we get into this match, did you hear the USA chants? Yes, I did. Yeah, did you see Dave Taylor's response? Uh, you stupid people, or something like that, was it? He's, he actually says, stupid motherfuckers, but you hear stupid, and then it goes silent. You just read his lips. He's, he actually says motherfuckers, and oh, they dub right. it out. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, they, don't, they don't blur over it. You can, you can read what he says, <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I just thought that was funny, like... USA, USA, stupid motherfuckers. They're fucking <laughs> Americans, Dave. Leave them alone. I'm with Dave on this one. Fuck yeah, it. so am I. Yeah, uh, Patriots Mo- weird. <laughs> we haven't really, got, really spoken about that enough. <laughs> just, it's just been half of the fucking episodes that we ever, we always talk about. Yeah. Uh, Morris and Taylor in initially, but Taylor is quickly out after successfully executing the drop kick. But Morris bumped back up and nailed him. I actually didn't put nailed. I put nailed. In a spell, incorrect spelling. Uh, nailed him I, with a clothesline. Just nearly took his head off his shoulders, and yeah, he quickly tagged out a fucking dodge there, didn't he? Yeah, I put, and this is gonna make. <laughs> I, can't, I, I actually forgot that I wrote this. I just put, you run through Taylor like a train. Who does he think he is, Braun Strowman? Choo choo! Now, I don't know if you can understand that reference, Mark. No. Nope. <laughs> right. This week on, on Raw, uh, they've, they've given Braun Strowman a new nickname. They call him the uh, Braun Express. It's because of the move that he does on the outside of the ring where he just runs and shoulder barges into into his opponents. Well, he did that onto Elias and Jackson Riker. But when he starts doing it, they actually put in train noises. 
WWE production put in train noises as he went to do it. And oh. you just hear a... As he fucking hits Elias. Like, what the fuck? Man, we've spoke about your, your love for science sound effects. Like, if somebody hits somebody with a ring bell, you've got to go ding like that. That's so this different. sounds like it's right up your street, to be fair. No, it, it's not, though. It's not. <laughs> Why would you add train effects? Like, a ring bell... Like, if, if someone hits somebody with a ring bell... You expect to hear a ding, otherwise it's not a ring bell, it's just a fucking piece of wood with a thick bell. You need the ding to get that over. Braun Strowman's not literally a fucking train. <laughs> He's a fucking human being. Like, I, it, it's just a big fat no. I mean, if you're going to do that, you may as well just, uh, you may as well go all out when fucking uh, Roman, Reign, Roman Reigns comes out. Instead of fucking Michael Gogo in the big... Big dog. You may as well have, have, have fucking who let the dogs out? Who going dubbing over? Just like go all out at this point. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the worst comparison I could think of. It's just the one thing that came to me. I'd like, you know, yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, Bubba, Bubba tags in also as uh, Dave Taylor exits and Regal's in as well. Uh, the Bloods double team as Morris exits the ring. A side slam gets Bubba a chance to tag out. Um, oh, th- there is a commentary line I have to bring up here. Uh, Larry says, Big Bubba moves like Rey Mysterio Jr. for a big guy. Tony agrees with him. <laughs> fucking liars! Wow, they're really trying if, to put him over. <laughs> if fucking Big Bubba tried to head sister on somebody, he'd kill an opponent and yeah. then probably injure himself in the fucking process of doing it. Yeah, he'd break his own neck, yeah, easily. Yeah, but fucking, he doesn't fucking move like Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Well, Bubba, Bubba tags out again, uh, and Morris is in, and just as Bubba gets onto the uh, ring apron back into his position, John Tenter comes running out. Um, Morris is, is double belly-to-back suplex, and it's, it's basically over in this one for the Dungeon of Doom. The winner in this one, whilst uh, Bubba and Tenter are off having their little skirmish. I like that word since since you said it the other night on the, uh, on the Bash at the Beach podcast. Uh, the winner in this one is the Bloods via a Dave Taylor pinfall in three minutes and eight seconds. Not I like he just called them the Bloods, not the Blue Bloods, the Bloods. Yeah, it just just sounds fucking like more gnarly. Yeah, the Bloods beat the Crips. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. This is the this is the next one that we were uh, really looking forward to. The second cruiserweight match of the night. It's Eddie Guerrero versus My Man Psychosis here. Um, Psychosis dressed as the Black Ranger today, and we split screen to Rey Mysterio. Oh, oh this really pissed me off. Yeah, uh, well, it didn't just piss you off; it pissed Larry Zabisco off as well, who says if he if Rey Mysterio interrupts him again, he'll get a slap. Uh, <laughs> I, I miss that. I, I, the only thing, the only comment line I got bef- uh, at this period was the the shot at the earful tower, mm. and when Tony Schiavone calls, goes, "That's the earful tower there," Larry's fucking so incensed about it. <laughs> like he's he just he's so disgusted. He reminded him he reminded me of you with my puns when we were in Edinburgh. <laughs> like that's how disgusted he was at the Earful Tower. <laughs> I mean, is it actually called the Earful Tower? Or did Tony make that up? I don't know, but I I liked it. Well, I mean, I mean, it was just like a just a standard water tower by yeah. the looks of things with two black ears on it. Yeah. If they don't call that the Earful Tower, missed opportunity, mate. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 if I was sat next to Tony Schiavone and he'd just come up with that, I probably would face palm. But I can see why. It's you know, it, it does make sense. <laughs> One, of, it's a pun that you just like. Oh my god, I can't believe you just made that up, even though it makes total sense for fuck's sake. Um, 
Damn it, Tony. Damn it. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty big dad joke type a dad pun. We'll call it that. Um, yeah. If you if you can't tell, I'm on Tony's side here, actually. I just went damn it, Tony. Just to just to uh, appease my friend Mike there, but <laughs> I I like a good pun. Uh, it, it isn't a good pun, but he didn't make it up. I don't believe he made it up. I believe that's the actual name of it. Without googling, which I can't be asked to do. I, I'm resigned on that. He didn't make it up. Cool. I probably agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's been there that long. I mean, if Tony Schiavone is the first person to call it that, then I'd be very surprised. Um, in the well, split screen, go on. Well, they have been the commentary have been on the fucking mark with naming things. I mean, uh, were it Bobby Heenan dropping the New World Order? It was Larry. It was Larry Zabisco, weren't it? Larry, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think Bobby Heenan drops one in this. I think later on, I, so. I think um, somebody else does as well. At the Savage end. does. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we in the split screen, we've cut to Rey Mysterio, who talks about how disappointed he is with Hulk Hogan and what he's done. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. And also, yeah. he, he speaks in a foreign language. <laughs> yep, again. The, the, <laughs> it, uh, it's so bizarre, this, to me. They're treating it like fucking Anakin Skywalker turning to the dark side. Like, literally just... It, it's silly, but it's good silly. At the same time, I just wish you wouldn't fucking do this in the middle of a fucking cruiserweight match. Yeah. We're not even middle at the beginning of it. Just yeah. like normal fucking split screen. You could have, you could have just shown little vignettes throughout the night. You could have, you could have just, uh, you know, interviewed Rey Mysterio before his match. You know, just to get his opinions. Like, you don't need this. That's it. They did that but, a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? He literally, he, he, he was literally at the entrance where Gene had a quick minute with him, and then he got his music and he went into the ring. Do that. What's wrong yeah. with that? Follow up. I mean, come on, fucking hell. When it goes into split screen, though, I kind of, I zone out a little bit, so if anything happened during that split screen, I don't think yeah. much happened, but... No, I missed it all. Once they got back into um, full screen, that's obviously when I started writing. So, Eddie lands on his feet out of a monkey flip and arm drags Psychosis balls first into the bottom rope. Psychosis selling, like, extremities on the outside, holding... To which, yeah, to which Larry makes a very racist remark. He calls Psychosis a human piñata here. <laughs> Oh, El Peacock are going to have a field day with that then, aren't they? Oh, uh, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> in fact, they might have a field day with a couple of things here because uh, I'm pretty sure he starts calling him a jalapeno later. Yep, he says, uh, Eddie Guerrero, um, the the reason why he, he keeps going on and on is because of the power of jalapenos. <laughs> like, it's so fucking racist. I mean, we giggle, but come on, do better. It's cheap eat. I, don't, I, just, I, think that, I just find that funny. If if I mean if you got offend, if you get offended by it then we understand. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm gonna say you you can't really put a scale on what's really bad racist remarks and what's not so bad racist remarks. They're all bad at end of day, but this is not on the level of fucking Jerry Wall repeatedly calling Kai Chinese when they're Japanese. Yeah. You know, yeah. after being corrected many, 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 many times, he still calls them Chinese. Like, that's really fucking racist. That's horrible, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I'd like to think that Eddie Guerrero would have giggled at that, to be fair. Yeah. The other thing about yeah. Eddie, when you would giggle, is because he's from Texas. Yeah. So, you know, jalapenos, really. Come on, Larry. <laughs> that's just like saying you're Russian. I mean, Zabisco, it could be Russian. Yeah, that's what I mean. But as far as I'm aware, he's he's fully well. I mean, his great grandfather might be fucking Russian or something like that. But either way, that's like saying what well, you you need vodka to wrestle. So you know what I mean. Just like it's it's a, it's a racial whoa, stereotype, whoa. isn't it? It's whoa. not racist. It's a racial stereotype. So it's a bit of a there's a bit of a blurred line between 
you know racism and stereotyping but you know it's just yeah but in terms of needing vodka for, to wrestle isn't that Scott Hall in 99 <laughs> well fucking hell <laughs> I know about that storyline guys sorry I have to bring it up I know about it wow. and it's going to be sad to watch yeah it is fuck you Vince Russo um, I wasn't joking about it I was just literally pointing it out well psychosis he's still holding his balls on the outside uh, Eddie pulls on he pulls on psychosis his hair after psychosis has obviously managed to get his breath back uh, whilst in a headlock and he gets completely nailed for it on the outside psychosis hits Guerrero with a massive corkscrew moonsault from the top rope to a massive audible thud good psychology from psychosis who then from uh, sorry from then on works the arm after the corkscrew cracked the shoulder uh, Eddie's chance as a comeback is thwarted after he catches Psychosis with a Hurricane Rana for a two count, but the arm causes him too much pain. Uh, Psychosis off the top drops into an atomic drop to give Guerrero a slight advantage. That's Comical second, selling. Comical selling and the second nut shot of the night for Psychosis in the space of about three minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. To describe the selling, he's actually holding his balls and jumping on the spot and then just collapses. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he's on a bogo stick. It's brilliant. <laughs> I the the, the hair helps as well. It just sort of bounces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good point. Uh, after a little bit more time, Guerrero runs into the uh, into the corner for a corner charge, but hits all of the steel ring post. Psychosis with a sweet Hurricane Rana off the top turnbuckle, but it only gets uh, a two count. Now Eddie tries to bring Psychosis down with an electric chair drop, but Psychosis counters into a sunset flip power bomb for a two count. Psychosis up top again, but this time Eddie catches him and hits him with a superplex. He fucks off to the other corner, and it's a massive frog splash from what Larry said was almost two-thirds of the ring across. And that's all she wrote in this one. Heavy emphasis on Eddie coming from underneath again, as it's been the past few times that he's wrestled on Nitro. And the winner in this one, Eddie, via pinfall in 8 minutes and 35 seconds. And for the Dave Meltzer Jackoffs, three and three-quarter stars. Well, I can agree with that. It was a really good match. Mm. Not not spectacular, but a really good match. Yeah, you know, definitely. so I, I I can't I can't really say. You know what? I disagree with Dave Meltzer. It seems like a fair rating to me. Yep. So, I, I must say, you keep you may you called uh, the uh, top, uh, what were it um, a top top rope uh, head scissor. Were it, were, what you called it? Hurricane Rana. I, for some reason, I keep putting fucking Frankensteiner. <laughs> Right, um, it, I'm way what, too tired to like even remember what the difference is. Yeah, because I'm really struggling to find like differences. It might be the angle that they actually do it. I think I think like Frankenstein is more straight down, isn't it? It could be. But, yeah, but I am getting fucking mixed up between the two. But uh, I'm a sucker for a Frankenstein at this point. I think it might be my favorite favorite move in wrestling. Yeah, that's how much I fucking love it, especially with one off the top rope. Like. Oof. Really good move. Well, so. next up, it's going to be um, Gene Oakland with uh, Kevin Sullivan, who's sporting a, another black eye after a pay-per-view. The Giant and Jimmy Hart. Gene asks about Hogan's boob. Yes, he does say this. Boob. <laughs> uh, first, he asks Jimmy, obviously, because he's been with Jimmy for years. And Jimmy says that he's actually lost for words, which is a first. Sullivan says, when you live for the destruction of Hulkamania, as he and J- Jimmy Hart have, but Hogan ended up destroying it himself um, he basically says that Karma is coming back to haunt him for all the bad things that he's done and Karma is in the form of Chris Benoit 
And the guy's just a crazy little bastard. Uh, the Giant reminds people that he's still the World Heavyweight Champion because in all this melee, there's a WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, <laughs> and everybody seems to forgot yeah. about him. <laughs> and that nothing can go wrong in WCW as he's the one that took the title off Hogan in the first place. He then calls out the horsemen saying they think that they're elite, but they haven't won the war. Gene is worried about his job after Jimmy says the NWO could mean that people will lose their jobs. You could lose your job, me, Gene. And, yeah. I mean, you put way too much salt and pepper on his voice because he's not talking like that throughout this promo either. No, no. You know, I I, I, I got to say, I really enjoyed this promo. Yes. Like it wasn't... It wasn't the typical Dungeon of Doom, you know, shtick and all that. Yeah. The fact that they're, they're reading the elephant in the room and it, 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 it's affecting them as well. They're worried about their careers. Giants is obviously, like, no more BS. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, I've got to keep saying no more BS because that fucking awful, awful uh, T-shirt Paul, uh, Paul White is sporting in AEW right now. And that's a really bad pun. I, I would say I love a pun, but no more BS. In the Street Fighter font, like, you need a better shirt, mate. But yeah, I, I've been meaning to bring that up for a couple of weeks now. But yeah, he's uh, apart from uh, the giant who is very confident in his abilities, everyone else is fearing for for their jobs. And I like it. I really, really like it. And yeah. I actually, I actually rooted for the Dungeon of Doom for once. Holy fuck! It only took a year of the podcast <laughs> and what nine months on of Nitro, ten months of Nitro. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- this is them becoming real in it so it's a it's a welcome break from all from all the uh cartoony shit yeah all that all that ridiculousness um so for him to make it real and obviously sullivan selling this this you know benoit being a legitimate bad guy you know person not to be messed with and everything like that it is it i agree with you i agree with you it certainly wasn't the the, the fucking you know highlight of the night or anything like that but again it's it's just a, a subtle change that's making everything seem more real. And if people are tuning in, yeah, granted, you're still looking at Kevin Sullivan's ugly mug and, and you know, he's, he's still wearing the horrible yellow fucking Speedos. But, you know, if he could actually just put some fucking pants on and, and you know, wipe the, the, the fifth and sixth fucking eyebrow off his head, it'd be <laughs> all right. Um, put the Sharpie pen down. Yeah, definitely. Just use it for signing autographs, Dave. You know what I mean? Dave. Dave's his brother. Yeah. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> uh, WCW World Tag Team title, number one contenders match. Uh, from earlier on in the show, obviously, where the Nasties and the Steiners were cutting a promo on each other. We're going to see the two of them face off now in uh, a match that will decide who is going to see Harlem Heat uh, for the WCW World Tag Team titles. Um, before we get into this, did you hear what Larry was talking about to Tony? I don't it, think like, so. A really weird conversation. He's discussing about how he fell off a helicopter. So he sold it to the Steiners and bought a plane instead. Oh, they were talking about Sturgis. Uh, it was a, it was a motorcycle. Oh right, I thought it was a helicopter, but maybe I just assumed a bit. But he bought a plane instead. Yeah, he bought. A, he, <laughs> he said he kept falling off the motorcycle, so he bought a plane instead. And Tony just right. went, "Yeah, well, if you if you fall off uh, an aeroplane, you know that's not going to win well either, is it?" But yeah, right. that, that's promoting uh, Hogwild, which will be coming. Um, in the next few weeks which is part of the Sturgis rally it was a completely free pay-per-view that Eric Bischoff did as a vanity project just so that they could all ride their Harleys um, yeah. yeah it's a bit weird well, we could, I'm we glad you cleared that, that up actually. yeah it would be interesting but I'm glad you cleared that up because I was just like I, I was listening to Larry talk and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about dude <laughs> just so random we're, we're about to see this, uh, Scott Steiner versus uh, sorry 
We're about to see the Nasty Boys versus the Steiner Brothers. Be fucking professional for this five-star classic. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing you need is to go into this match confused. Uh, right, so... Starting off plenty of striking, but not many moves until Rick gets an almost life-threatening slam down on Nobbs, giving the Steiner some offence. This is this is minutes into the match. Uh, I didn't. De- de- there's no point detailing strikes because I just like left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, kick. Um, That's only like-, like a dance. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> now Mark trip the light, fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, Scotty's in, uh, and he comes in with a T-bone suplex, which is more of the stuff that we want to see. Nob's back on top with a sloppy running her pull as the clipart dynamite counts down to hour two with Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan about to jump in. Uh, and a lonesome firework on the entrance lets us know that hour two has started. <laughs> this is just like shades of AEW. Um, yeah. The camera I, I, sort of pans up as well, so you can see the... the you know the the, the the WCW lettering and you can see sort of like in the distance you can see Mickey Mouse on top of the fucking globe and blah 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 I'm pretty sure yeah. a lot of fireworks were supposed to go off at that point and they never did uh, before all that uh, Sags steals a steel chair from a kid at ringside oh I missed this oh no yeah that was really really funny yeah he just goes up to uh, goes up to his kid and he just says get up nicks his chair and then goes and fucking clatters Scott Steiner on the outside of it oh man like a, yeah, really nasty chair shot. I think Scott just got his hands up at the right time. But yeah, just... What a fucking heel bullying a kid. Get up, <laughs> my chair. I mean, I, I, I just don't... I don't put it past him, to be honest. He just seems like that kind of guy in real life. Yeah, that that was a shoot. Yeah, probably. Um, Sags is back on top with a bear hug. Uh, and it's at this point that Robert Parker and Sister Sherry come to ringside giving the Steiners the assist. Bischoff and Heenan seemingly slightly confused by what's going on as Parker canes sags in the head and Why? Scott gets the pin while Sherry distracts the referee. Prick Natrick. Yes, I'm calling him Prick Natrick now, not Nick Patrick. Just don't like the guy. Um, the winner in this one is going to be Steiner via Scott Steiner getting the pinfall in six minutes and eight seconds. And yes, yeah, Sister, yeah. Steri- Sister, Steri- Sister Sherry is back in WCW. She was rehired. Uh, I think it was just before Bash at the Beach. Um, they I, kept I mentioning this, details. that she's returned, but they don't tell us where she returned. Yeah. I don't remember returning at Bash at the Beach. No, she didn't. She didn't return at Bash at the Beach, but she did. She was brought back into the company. Because they never actually they never actually said that she'd left the company in the first place. This was all internal. No. Yeah. So on, on TV, it just looks like she's been away for a while, so they've not really acknowledged it. Can you clear up something for me? Mm-hmm. Why did Sherry and Colonel Parker help the Steiners? Um, did they fear that Harlem Heat was a bigger threat to the... Uh, sorry. Did they fear that Nasty Boys were a bigger threat to Harlem Heat's titles? Oh, we'll have to tune in next week to find out. Because I, 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 I'd, I'd believe that the Steiner Brothers are a bigger threat to the tag team titles than the Nasty Boys. This made no fucking sense, and the finish was flat as fuck, which is a shame, because the match wasn't all that bad. It was fairly decent. Yeah. Considering who fifty percent of the competitors were, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, very, very true. But obviously, if this is part of an angle, then you've got to sort of look down the line. At this moment in time, it does look a little bit fucking hawky, doesn't it? But yeah, um, we'll have to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. I, um, I, I just genuinely thought I missed something. No, I, well, I mean, if you've missed something, I've missed something as well. I, I don't yeah. know what's going on. You, you, and there's always Saturday night as well. You don't know like things could have happened on there, and we don't know because they're not highlighting it on Nitro. So uh, that's true. 
spending all the time talking about the, t- the, 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 the turn that's changed the entire fucking universe, uh, but not letting us know what happened with <laughs> with Harlem Heat last Saturday. Uh, next up, we're going to see Gene actually getting in the ring with the Nasty Boys uh, as the fireworks all finally go off, and, and these fireworks go off for about f- 75 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Gene cuts Sags off during a fairly decent promo, actually. Uh, Nob says Gene should just put should not pull the mic away until he's for, finished talking. Gene then just turns around to Sags, turns back around to Nobs and says <laughs> he's finished talking. <laughs> uh, Nob says he gets why Hogan did it, of course, turning and everything like that. But of course, he gets why Hogan did it because they're all best pals, and it seems that the NWO do it the nasty way, and that's just to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Uh, yeah. No bad promo, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: the nasties didn't do too badly on this Nitro for what they've been given. No, they didn't. I will say though, when uh, when um, Jerry uh, Jerry Side starts his promo, it seems like he's trying to cough up a fucking fireball. Yeah, it does. <laughs> he just goes, <laughs> and then just runs into it. And I'm like, what the fuck were I on about? Was I he was just trying wondering. to sell? Like, was he just trying to sell how gassed he were or how, how hard he hit on he was hit on the head or some shit like that? I don't fucking know. It was just really, really weird. I don't know. It, really, it was bizarre. I was sort of like, what the fuck is he doing? Is he is he, is he all right? Like, I also, <laughs> Gene I also Heimlich, to mention, quick. I also forgot to mention that during the uh, Blue Bloods and Dungeon of Doom match, as it started, Big Bubba was jumping along the fucking edge of the ring and barking like a dog himself. Now... We've had two people barking like a dog, and one person who's trying to cough up a furball like a cat. <laughs> Did he have a hypnotist uh, in the locker room before this natural? Because it just seems like part of the roster are pretending to be animals now. Yeah, yeah domestic animals, yeah. Uh, very weird. Re- yeah, very weird. Next up, we're going to see the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship put on the line. Of course, it's the... Uh, really? Defending champion, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Thank fuck it's not corn anymore. Who's come to the wing, ring with uh, Deborah McMichael, Miss Elizabeth, and woman? And Sorry, he's... I've just got to ask, really, because um, the match card said that it was a United States title match, but then Tony Schiavone says that it's not a title match. Oh, we I... also do not see the title be raised. Ah, so I don't know if he actually defended it or not, but uh, you know, we're not clear on it at all. Okay, but the official match, the official match card says it was a title match. Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, he's going to be defending, or not defending, or he's just going to be facing Jim Powers. He, he's not going to be losing the title. That, that, that's all that matters, really. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it is a title match. He ain't fucking losing it to Jim fucking Powers. No. Um, man, we are really going for it with the fireworks now. It's easily been seven minutes with the break that they took in between the matches, and they're still going off. Um, early. That, it, it actually... That's why That's why the fucking exploding uh, barbed wire ring fucking or whatever you want to call it on AEW <laughs> didn't didn't work. That's why because they've already they've already spent all the budget here. <laughs> twenty minutes, twenty years yeah. inside. Oh Fucking hell, TNT! You couldn't just save a few more fireworks, could you? Oh man. Well, I, I'm gonna throw this out there early on, and I'm gonna say that powers look really fucking good. Um, yeah. Flair sold like a fucking champion for him, made him look a million dollars, and I thought he did a really really fucking good job. To say Com- it was a glorified squash match. Yes. Uh, Combs mentions that Elizabeth's got money. I wonder where she got that from, Brian. Uh, oh, Powers- God. <laughs> she won the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Power- 
Powers on the uh, on the outside takes damage from woman with a, an eye rake, but regains the advantage back in the ring. Flirt take, brilliantly. Ta- Go on. Takes damage from woman. What is this Pokemon? <laughs> takes damage. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I just like how you describe that. <laughs> Flirt brilliantly cooks up the fans by slowing it down, only to allow uh, only to again allow Powers to come back to big cheers from the crowd. All the while, Fleur is flopping over the top, falling to the floor, arguing with the fans and dancing with woman, only to get back in the ring and drop to his knees instantly and beg Powers to go easy on him. Powers with some more offence, but it's momentary, and Fleur cheap shots his way into an advantage. He locks on a figure four, and it's over in this one. Uh, I've flown through it, but I did I did enjoy this match, I can't lie. The winner is Space Mountain via submission in 5 minutes and 41 seconds, and yes, I said Space Mountain, because that's where it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good one. Good one. <laughs> oh, who doesn't like somebody's fucking pun now? <laughs> the horsemen are out a- to celebrate. I'm just purposely being ambivalent. So oh, leave me okay. alone. Fair enough. The horsemen are out brother. with uh, the horsemen are out to celebrate with Fleur as we cut to a replay. Uh, Gene then fires himself over because he's sin woman and obviously he wants to get a little bit fresh. Uh, he tells woman to restrain herself as he interviews them, and Iron says. Yeah. He wants to get fresh, but he then tells her to restrain herself. Like, make up your mind for it. Uh, Gene. Flair. <laughs> He's so used to saying it about Flair. He wants to get fresh with everybody. Um, I say it's a lot of highs and lows from the f- from the previous night, but what he saw from Hogan made him want to puke. He brilliantly states that horsemen were never meant to be role models, but Hogan was, and that you should just basically stick to what you are and not pretend to be something else. Flair puts over in Mongo again, as well as Arn. Uh, and woman feels up Mean Gene, which is just just still hilarious. I just love it. <laughs> Anything to add? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I just got to say, like, I, I just really like how they're pushing the narrative that the NWO affects everyone across the board in WCW, mm. regardless of their allegiances. You know, they are they, they're just united in their disgust of Hulk Hogan and their their fears for their their careers from it and it's fucking brilliant absolutely brilliant and they do this throughout the night you know, so this, this is kind of like a, 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 a it was probably the first time we've had a really fur fur arc throughout the show yeah and yeah this, this is what I want in wrestling a story that starts from the beginning of the show and goes right through the show you know and you're just seeing how it develops and, and all that but the fact that it actually affects everybody in this it just makes it even better they've done such a fucking brilliant job of it tonight yeah, it's kind of like two birds, one stone in it, really, because, again, you, you, you're sort of promoting the fact that Hogan's done this, so you want eyes on the TV, uh, and you want to keep subtly reminding, although subtly reminding is the worst way to describe what WCW are doing here because they're talking about it every two minutes. But yeah. basically, they're reminding people what Hulk Hogan did, but as you said, you're, you're right on the money with what you're saying, is the way that it affects other people and giving them time to say that it affects them in a certain way and what their opinions are on it as well. Um, just kills two birds with one stone because it gives you that direction, but it also reminds viewers at home that Hogan is a no-good piece of shit. Um, and even the likes of Arn Anderson are fucking disgusted ab- about a person that he already hated anyway. Yeah. It's like, again, it's just brilliant. I love this, I love this from Arn. I mean, you yeah. could have just given Arn the mic there, and that would have been the end of that promo. And honestly, that would have been right. Up you there. could have just had Arn speak, and nobody else. You could have just had him speak on it, and he's yeah. basically just—he's represented WCW here. How how they all feel, and that is—it's just top-notch work from Arn. Yeah. If you didn't really, if you didn't know that he's like one of the fucking best psychologists in wrestling ever, like Definitely. he's just gonna prove it, and one of the best promo promo guys as well. Just so fucking good. 
And I will say, from what you've just said there, that plays on into the main event. So the main event is going to be Sting versus Owen Anderson. It does it does play into that as well. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to that very, very shortly, actually. We're not far off now. Uh, Bischoff says, if anyone I just thinks- have to say, Go on. before we move on, I do have a theory about the horseman. Like, because I have to really question why Mongo is allowing Ric Flair to literally slobber over his wife. Because <laughs> that, that's what Ric Flair's doing at the moment. He's slobbering over Deborah, and Mongo's just stood in the background like, yep, this is fine. <laughs> the, the horseman is a front for a swingers party. <laughs> They're fucking swingers. Oh. Except, you know, that uh, only one, one, uh, one half... Of a marriage between uh, Elizabeth and Savage are consenting with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, shit, they're divorced. I forgot about that, considering that they've told us that they're divorced and Miss Elizabeth have all, has all his money a million fucking times already. But, you know, let, let's overlook that. But yeah, I, I, I genuinely think they're a front for a fucking swingers party. That wouldn't surprise me. No, it probably, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, fucking Mongo fucking offered Deborah's services just so he can get to be a part of the horseman. <laughs> Man, that just sounds like something. That just sounds like wrestling. That just that's like Stefan Macho Man. That's like oh yeah, the real Laurie seedy side of wrestling. That's yeah, like not... Laurie Bischoff. There's a there's a thing about Eric Bischoff and Laurie Bischoff as well, isn't there? Um, really? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a. I think Meltzer started that one that they were uh, they were swingers. Uh, oh, okay. I think I can't remember who it was with. Um, well, think... it's also well known that um... could have been Hogan. I can't, I can't remember. Um, I but basically, he used to wife swap or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Before it was a TV show, brother. Brother. <laughs> There's also the one about Linda and Vince, which it, it it has to be real. The amount of fucking people that we know Vince McMahon has slept with, you know, to to help them in their careers, to give them a, an advantage, for them to gain an advantage, should I say, you know, sleep with a boss, get pushed up the card. There's so many people that fucking did that. Lita is one that has been confirmed to have done that. You know, really? Is, yeah, really sad. Unfortunately, really sad. Uh, I I found that a while ago, and I'm like, like it's just awful. Really, really awful. Well, hang, hang on, hang on. When you say confirmed, what she said it. Um, pretty much a lot of people in the business have confirmed that 99 percent of the women's roster at the time slept with Vince McMahon to get pushed up the card, and the one person that. Didn't really do it, didn't like do it, but she did every, everything else on TV, including getting down on her knees in her bra and her knickers and barking like a dog just to get pushed up the card, Trish Stratus. Trish, she yeah. was one person that didn't do it, you know. And, and obviously there's going to be others like Ivory and uh, Molly Holly. Of hmm. course, they weren't ever going to do it, but there's a lot of others that did. It's not fucking news, this. It's not news, seriously. <sighs> but it just saddens me that Lisa's name got name-dropped. Just, like of, of all the people, it's like no man, come on, really, you 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 joined Vince McMahon's real life kiss my ass club, you know? Ugh, no, no. I don't know what to fucking say. I mean, that's just. I'm not but, surprised, but when when obviously you're you know a lot more about this sort of stuff than I do, like WWE and stuff like that. I don't. I, I just not. It just doesn't do it for me, but. Yeah, the point. It's the just, point is, is that it was pretty really much confirmed. It's real. It was pretty much confirmed that Linda and Vince had an open relationship. She had. She weren't like letting him just get on with it. She was doing it herself. But fucking hell, who who in WWE was sleeping with Linda? I have to know that. I don't want to know, but I have to know at the same time. I've got that morbid curiosity. Maybe she like, was. Um, maybe she just, was sleeping with politicians. Or maybe just that. Yeah, that would explain a lot. 
Man, fucking... Anyway! <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, for fuck's sake. <sighs> this is why I watch WCW. <laughs> it is, honestly. It is, honestly. I mean, I, I, I don't mind telling you this. This isn't really a spoiler, but basically, while Vince was getting head from fucking beautiful women, Eric Bischoff was... was he, he was He was, like, snogging, like, fat chicks. You know what I mean? You turn onto WCW Nitro and Bischoff would be getting off with some fucking size twenty-two, fucking behemoth, while Vince is like nailing fucking size eights. Just I, I, this is I, I, this is why I picked the WCW side of the tracks. You see, because I just wasn't that what it didn't do it because didn't do it because Eric Bischoff was a chubby chair, so that's it. You were fucking... well, yeah, because it was <laughs> it was comical and because it's like it didn't I, objectify I women. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it it was it was comical in the fact that oh yeah, Eric Bischoff is sleeping, uh, you know, kissing a fat woman. Like it, but it's more of the joke he's on Eric rather than the joke being on the woman. Exactly. So he's yeah, taking that, the piss out of himself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I can hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I you know I, I didn't know that he were doing that, but now that you've told me they do that, I'm fucking really looking forward to some of the stuff that's coming up. Oh yeah, we've got all that to come, mate. There's fucking all sorts, like all sorts. Um, but speaking of Bischoff here, yeah, as as we wind this down. He says, if anybody thinks that WCW is just going to dry up and blow away, boy, today of all days, March 26, 2001, <laughs> uh, <laughs> WCW dried up and blew away. Um, Luger was meant to take on Benoit tonight, but here we are, selling the injury from last night, and what he's going to be is going to be Sergeant Greg Pittman with Teddy Long, player, taking I have on Chris to say, Benoit. I have to say, the impassioned speech that Bobby the Brain Heenan gives about how w- WCW have nothing to worry about, that they have all the horses and guns that they need to take the NWO down. Yeah. Oh, my God, fucking brilliant. Babyface Bobby Heenan. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen him would... often. No, I, I don't think ever, really. Mm. But the fact that he's just, like, so pro WCW here, like, just how he reacts to this. And, you know, deep down, he's like, I fucking told you. I yeah. told you Hulk Hogan was a piece of shit. And yeah. don't fucking believe me. And he's not actually gloating about it. He's just basically saying, like, right, this has happened. I'm not going to rub it in, but this has happened. But we can take him down. We can take the NWO down. It's like, oh, oh, my God. Fiery baby face Heenan. I never thought I'd see it. But now I've seen it, I fucking love it. I, I really mean, this, love it. This had to happen, didn't it? If Hogan went heel, then then Heenan had to sort of, like... And, well, he could either go two ways, couldn't he? He could be like, oh, well, I told you so, I told you so. You should have listened to me. I told you all these years, blah, blah, blah. He's all been, only been in it for himself. Well, but the way that he he's does... done is he's just like, no, we should fucking fight him. You yeah. know what I mean? But, just... and he, and, but he does actually go the opposite side in the main event. He's like, I told you, and no one will believe me. And, but it's more solemn rather than gloating at the same time. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's basically making the point that I told you, I told you, and no one listened to me. But it's more a case of, I told you, but no one listened to me. But you know what? We're going to fucking bring him down together. Yeah. That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It is good, And I'm yeah. all for this incredible character shift. And I, 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 just like from this, I feel like he could have been like a great a great face manager, like a life coach type manager. Yeah. Like that, it, it would have been absolutely brilliant. Just coming out with a towel over the shoulder, giving advice about, you know, how to win the match. And then when they go backstage, you know, giving advice on how to... You know, get through the day and improve, improving life in general. Just like, I, I, I would pay big money just to see him do that. <laughs> you know, just have it, have his own TV show. You know, just do, just being a life coach, just babyface him. I'd pay to see that as well. I, I, I can't, I can't tell you how much I loved, I loved it. I just really, really loved it. 
sorely missed. He's a man of many talents, and obviously yeah. never never really went the baby first route. But he's showing that he could st- he could do it. So yeah, it's 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 really sad. Um, sad. It's, it's sad that he's not even like here to assist anything. I know, and because he, he just. But then again, he just can't teach what he had. I know it's it, impossible. You can, all, you can impart wisdom, but you can't really teach what he what he could do. You can exactly. only just give like little little drips and drabs. Um, I mean, a lot of people that work in AEW, you, you see it quite a lot. A lot of people that work in AEW lift the morale of the mm-hmm. entire dressing room, and I can imagine that Heenan w- would have just been like that. Even yeah, he'd just give it such a boost, like an injection. Like you'd look forward. I would look forward to going to work if Heenan were there. I'd, yeah. I'd fucking uh, love it just because of the kind of character that he is. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And yeah, it's what I, what I hate most about his death is just how it happened. Like this is a guy who was one of the best talkers of his time, one of the best talkers ever in wrestling, and he had throat cancer. Like yeah. that is just who the fuck did he do wrong to suffer from that? It's yeah. just so sad. Like now that you bring it up, it's just like that is fucking horrible. You know, was he a smoker by any chance? Just uh, do you know, right? Because that would explain a fucking hell of a lot of weed. Uh, well, okay, well that that might have contributed to it, it but uh, again, it's just like the worst fucking karma. Like, uh, I think, and, and, uh, not, and not any, and not not like any other way of him dying prematurely would have been any better. It's not. It's not. It's just the fact that he was such a great talker, and that's what he got inflicted with. It's just it it just makes a really sad situation that whole lot sadder. Yeah, I mean, I, something seems to stick in my head that um, I think it might have been on JR's podcast uh, that he's I think his father died of cancer and he was always of the uh, he was always of the opinion that he he would have died of cancer anyway. Right. So I think he he always kind of knew, but it's like the irony is that you know, like you said, the best talker in the business, and he got throat cancer. Yeah, just fucking yeah. But without like, getting too solemn about it, it's just fucking. I, I, I will say one thing though. It's like he never ever looked like. He, I mean, you always you can see that his face had deteriorated. He lost his jaw in it as well. Yeah. Uh, like, but he never showed that he was in pain ever. Like no. one of the last pictures that that ever circulated of him was him in a wheelchair wearing a flat cap, and he was with. Uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. They just had to take a photo of uh, with him and all that. And he looked so fucking happy. Like he, he he was in such bad shape, but he looked so fucking happy. Yeah. Like I I just if there's any any consolation is that even though he was in pain, he wasn't sure. Even even though he physically showed that he was in pain, he couldn't help that. But if he didn't, you know, he he, he didn't act like he was in pain. He just he was always full of life, and he just appreciated the newer generation of wrestlers. You know, fucking a few a few more people in wrestling could, uh, you know, learn a few things from Bobby Heenan, cough cough Jim Cornette. Like, you know, at least wrestling is still around, even if you don't like it personally. It's still around, and it's still fucking thriving, regardless of the ratings. No, it's thriving in other ways. Yeah. Like, and I, I think Bobby Heenan appreciated anybody that was just inspired by him or just inspired by his generation I don't think I think if if any wrestler just came up to him and said okay yeah I weren't inspired by you directly but I was inspired by uh, Roddy Piper or, or inspired by Bret Hart people of his generation he would have been happy with that yeah you know yeah, that, totally. 
that's just the guy he is. Like, a hero on TV, but one of the nicest fucking guys away from it. Like, very sorely missed. And a, a new new appreciation for the guy, because obviously I didn't really grow up in his time. I just saw, like, bits and bobs of, of his work and really enjoyed it. But, holy fuck, big mark for the guy now. Yeah, totally. In ways I never imagined. Yeah. And he needs a Funko Pop. <laughs> oh, As we were talking about him, then I was just like, oh, I need I need a Bobby the Brain Funko Pop, and they don't yeah, fucking so do it. I. I want that. You know what? I want the Funko Pops of uh, Mean Gene with Bobby Heenan doing the fingers over his head, that classic image. I yeah. just need a twin set of them doing that, and that that's it. That's my pri- prized possession, because I fucking love those two. Brilliant stuff. You know? And, and, and obviously, you, you need a, a twin set with Gorilla Monsoon as well. Yeah, you know, because again, great. They they were they were the best of, of friends, and uh, again, another guy that sat, you know sadly departed from illness. But you know, uh, yeah, miss you, Bobby Heenan. But I'm really enjoying what you're doing on WCW here. Well, plenty more to come. Plenty more to come. Absolutely. Um, Benoit versus Craig Pittman here with Teddy Long. Uh, Benoit showing some bruising on the face on his lip. Uh, left of his lip and the right of his eye. Right. He looks fucking sore as fuck. Yeah, uh, I did note that I loved his theme as well. This is one of my favourite themes in WCW, actually. Um, Pittman dominating Benoit initially, looking really good, but Benoit comes back with aggressive strikes. A bit of handbags outside with Benoit and Teddy gets P- uh, Pittman's. I know. Did I say Pillman? I thought, I thought I said Pillman. Then. <laughs> uh, gets Pittman's. That would have been that would have been better. <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, gets Pittman's attention. But back in the ring, uh, a crossface is applied and Teddy demands the referee ring the bell, throwing in the towel. Well, metaphorically, if you like. Uh, a bit of a confusing finish in that one, and I have sped through it, but it was only it was only two minutes and 43 anyway. Uh, the winner in this one, Chris Benoit by Clusterfuck. So, yeah. <laughs> the Clusterfuck. Yeah. Now, um, there's, there's a finish, the Clusterfuck. <laughs> he goes off the top rope, he flips, he fucks it up, but he wins anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he wins with the Clusterfuck. Yeah. <laughs> And in a in a main event here, it's just going to be a basic singles match, which is going to be Arn Anderson versus the Stinger. Uh, lots and lots of fireworks for the Stinger here, and, uh, and I did like as well. He, he went round the ring, and there's loads of kids sort of like apprehensively like, uh, "Will you shake my hand, Mister Stinger?" And he goes ahead and fist bumps him and shakes their hand and stuff. And as really setting really up the sh- idea that that like, oh, you know, you've no hero now in Hulk Hogan, but here I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything's going to be all right, kids. Come under my wing, and we'll go on a fucking crazy ride. Yeah, um, and if we haven't really put over Heenan enough, it's just like what he does for Sting here is incredible. He just talks about how he's impressed, how Sting carried on after Luger's injury at Bash of the Beach, mm. and stepped up, stepped up his game for another eighteen minutes, and the inj- injury brought out his inner demon. Like that that line, Heenan alluding to an inner demon inside Sting is. Maybe accidentally, but this is what I was referring to earlier, a great implication about what is to become of the Sting character. Yeah. Like, it's so incredible how far back this goes. Just the little seeds that have been planted along the way. Again, just... This is what I love in wrestling. Like, not everything has to be done in a matter of weeks and months. We're talking fucking 18 months of seeds being planted here. Like, it's fucking good stuff that... Heenan puts Sting over to fuck here. Yeah. Like, and Sting's not traditionally on his side, but Sting, uh, Heenan still appreciates what he does, and that is, you know, again, more like babyface antics from Heenan, really, but just 
yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff. It's probably one of the better po- uh, better parts of the podcast so far is the 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 ascension of Stenger. You know, the descension, if you want to call it, like because he descends into yeah. utter madness and changes, what, yeah. whatever you want to call it. You know, just that 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 story arc, fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Uh, again, just being able to watch all this again, like, and be, be, but actually be able to see it thoroughly this time. He's fucking. It's one of the one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this. It's just because it's so exciting, knowing that it was a slow burner, it's yeah, such a slow burner, but reaches such a height. Um, back in this, Bischoff says that the outsiders are in Disney World, Disneyland. Me and Beth had an argument earlier on about if it's called Disneyland or Disney World. I always used to call it Disney World. I thought Disneyland was in Paris, but apparently it's called fucking Disneyland over there as well. I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's Disney care. World. I think it was Disney World, Paris, Disneyland, Florida, something like that anyway, but yeah. I'm not well, getting I... into an argument about you. It's like it's easy to Google, I suppose. Yeah, I think she did Google it, and she did tell me. I think they were both Disneyland, but there was a Disney World Resort as well. There's one in uh, Los Angeles, California, right. and there's one in uh, where we are now. So where we are now, well, there's one in Blackburn. In Darwin. <laughs> uh, <no>. uh, <laughs> and I just said to her, look, I said, look, Beth, I, I just don't give a fuck. Universal Studios are my kind of go-to thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> they had a Back yeah. to the Future ride, and I never got to go on it. I never got to go. So there you go. I'm a bit disappointed. I, I was going to say, you ever went to Universal Studios? But... No, man. No, no, no. Without going through my biographical fucking history, like we, we weren't well off as you know when we were kids and stuff like that. Fuck me. No, neither have I. Yeah, we, I remember. I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. Um, I was thinking about my mum because obviously it's been it's been uh, a couple of years since she passed away this month, but. Um, she basically, one, it was like a proper scorching hot summer's day and I must have been like fucking 12 years old or something like that. And she says to me, she gives me a quid, which is a pound, just just for anybody that doesn't live in the UK and doesn't know what a quid is, it's a, a pound sterling. Uh, <laughs> and she says, bitch, just go and get us a couple of cans, uh, a Coca-Cola. And I'm like, yeah, a Coca-Cola was a fucking treat. You know what I mean? If she said that, it's like, fucking you know, hell, I'm getting a can of Coca-Cola, what the fuck's all this about? Yeah. Anyway, I went to the shop, right, and I was thinking, well... I can't just get two, can I? Because obviously my brother's going to want one. And then I thought, well, her fella's going to want one as well. So I got loads of the little cans. And I came back and she went, why, why have you got loads of little cans? And I said, well, because everybody's going to want one. And she went, no, I just I meant just me and you. And I'm like, oh. oh. She said, do you not know what a couple means? <laughs> and I'm like, at that age, like, and it didn't register in my head what a couple was. And I was thinking, no. She went, couple, two. You know, what's a couple? You know, a husband and a wife, a couple. They're a couple. I went, oh, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I think we have like similar reflections on the little stuff rather than the big stuff. Because, oh, yeah, like, totally. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know about you, but it sounds like you, you grew up in hard times, daddy. You hard know, times, and, daddy. <laughs> I, I have to do, I think that might be the best Dusty Rhodes impression I've ever done. It's not one of my strong ones, to be it's honest with there. you. But yeah, I've I done all right there, to be honest with you. Off the cuff, I've practiced. I've from this podcast, I just walk around the house and just constantly try different different ones. And I was trying to do a Dusty Rhodes one the other day, and I'm like, nope, it's awful. Don't like it, you know. <laughs> but and I didn't go and do it just off the cuff. And it's like, yep, perfect. Well, well done. Yeah, no so Sometimes pump, you just don't try. Don't try. Yeah, don't push it. Yeah, just punching my fucking chest because I'm so happy about that one. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Again, like, you, you know, we, I think we, we've gone, like, through a similar trajectory. You know, I mean... Uh, I, I grew up in in the nineties, obviously, born in eighty seven. Uh, 
but uh, I grew up in the 90s uh, after Factory and there was a lot of struggles with a lot of families at that time and particularly for us like uh, a family with five kids and my dad having a uh, having his own like upstart company and doing a couple of jobs on the side and my mum working like three or four jobs different jobs across the week and uh Still not being able to get by, we basically went in poverty. Uh, I remember times where my mum was cooking, uh, boiling eggs in the kettle. That's an electric kettle for Americans. They don't have them apparently, but you know, really? electric. Yeah, they don't have kettles. Some some places do, but it's not as common. They make tea in a pan for fuck's sake. Or in some places they make tea in a microwave. So there you go. Oh, I've seen that video. No, no. Yeah, no. But um, yeah, obviously my mum would put in uh, boiled eggs in. An electric kettle, sorry, boiling eggs in an electric kettle, just so we had food because she couldn't afford gas and couldn't afford like a lot of food. Like, well, we had a conventional gas oven at the time and rented property and we could change it right like that. Yeah, I remember also times where I was just sleeping under piles of clothes because I didn't have a quilt. Like this, it's just it's just real stuff from the heart here. Like so, we didn't get holidays. We didn't go yeah. abroad. Like, and this isn't something that I, I spite my, my parents for. I mean, my dad, God bless his soul, like, he, he departed 10 years ago in January, and uh, he, he he tried his best for us, and they, they both did, and it just didn't quite work out like, like, it, like it really should have done. And uh, in the late 90s, the early 2000s, things were a lot better, but we couldn't still afford to go abroad or that. So the one, things, the one thing that my mum would do throughout the year, she would script, the loose pennies just to take her remaining uh, four kids at home because uh, my older brother had got uh, moved in with his girlfriend by this point. My oldest brother, that is. And uh, she'd scrape all this money to, just to take us to Blackpool for a day, you mm. know. And uh, I remember in... Uh, I was in uh, I was in year five and <laughs> this is actually just down the road from you. Uh, you uh, The street... Uh, adjacent to yours Cavendish Street you know where yeah. the pep shop is at the bottom yeah 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 uh, just heading into uh, summer holidays I had one day left at school in year five one fucking day and that that, that bottom where the uh, yellow lines are there were a couple of vans there and I actually looked up because it's a one way street I looked through the van and I couldn't see anything and I couldn't hear anything so I walked across the road and I got knocked down and I oh. broke my leg yeah went across the woman luckily saw me and she came and saw me in the hospital which was really really nice her. i can't remember her name but really nice her to come and see me in the hospital but she pumped the brakes and said my wife she said my wife because she hadn't pumped the brakes won't be here today there was no way i was surviving that she pumped the brakes i landed on the windscreen broke my leg snapped in the clean cut in two my left leg so that summer i spent uh in a cast and for a part of it in a wheelchair because i just couldn't because of the cast, it went right up my thigh because of the severity of the break. went right up my thigh, so I couldn't use crutches for a while until they could cut the cast down once my leg had strengthened a little bit. So we went to Blackpool, and I was in a wheelchair. And this is what I mean where the little things just really fucking hit home, is that despite how uh, the situation that I was in, she fucking pushed me throughout Blackpool. She fucking carried me up the stairs in Madame Tussauds. You know, as we're going in, because, you know, they had a couple of staircases. Yeah, she yeah. carried the fucking wheelchair and my brother at the opposite end. You know, and my, brothers and, my brother and my sisters, they, they did say that I kind of ruined it, but they, they understood. You know, there's just like, yeah, it kind of like took away from it because 
I couldn't really enjoy what they were enjoying at the same time. Yeah. And it was hard to manoeuvre around Madame Tussauds. At the times I had to fold up the wheelchair and just like have my brother and my sister just carry me on the shoulders a little bit. You know, me, me arm over the shoulders and just as a limp and all that. You know, but it, it's those little things like what my mum did for me that I really think about. Like, those little things. Like, I didn't get to go to Florida or like that like my sister-in-law did. I didn't get to, you know, go abroad. The first time I ever re- even got on a plane was in 2013 when I went to Dublin. And the only real place I've been abroad is Benidorm, which was four years ago. You know, like, I, I don't really care for all those things. Like, I can make, I, I, I've got a job now. I, I'm, I'm 33, going on 34. And I've got a job that I make fairly decent money from. Uh, I make even better money if I'm on uh, if I do it all the time. And if there's anything that I really want out of life, I can just go out and buy it. It's like I don't I don't need to. I don't look, what I'm saying is I don't look back at life and think oh I wish I did this I wish I did that. So I fucking appreciate every little thing that we had, and that's what growing up in hard times does for you. In yeah, poverty, yeah. you appreciate the little things a yeah. lot more. I said that I said that to a geezer at work, uh, good maybe three or four months ago, and I just. I, my tea. I, I was cooking my tea uh, on on so in the steamer, um, and I said to him, I said, you know, when I was growing up, like we used to look forward to beans on toast, and now I'm cooking. You know, I, I was cooking two um, two pork loin chops, uh, steamed vegetables. Uh, what were the other thing going? Oh, rice, and I'm like, I, I eat fairly well every day. I'll eat stuff like that. So I'll have chicken one night, I'll have fucking pork loins the next night. But back when I was a kid, it was fucking beans on toast. If you're lucky, you had scrambled egg on top of it. And it's like, I, you know, and so like, you're going ages there. I'm 35 now. So if we go back what, it's 20, 22 years or whatever it was, that's that's when it was. It's 22 years ago. It's not really, you know, it's, it sounds like a long time ago, but I still remember fucking beans on toast. I still remember KFC being a treat once or twice a year, and we we play Monopoly the same night. Like, yeah. It's just fucking mental, isn't it? Like McDonald's never happened. Now I have McDonald's on a weekly basis, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> twice a week. Like, it's just fucking mental. Yeah, but it, it, it does. It makes you appreciate, and I think, I think on the same token, like you probably. You probably go to McDonald's once a week or twice a week to make up for the fact that you you, you only used to have it once a year back when you were a kid. The and I think it makes can. you appreciate it more, doesn't it? Yeah, the fact that you can do that. I mean, yeah, make the most of today. See, I, I mean, this is the thing that I have with my mum a lot, you know, because obviously I love my mum and I, I do help out with like things like electric. She won't take rent from me, but I, you know, I pay towards electric, and you know, it's my sky, and she fucking. She, she takes advantage of that because she likes her F1 and things like that. So she's really taking... She takes more advantage of the sky than what I do. I'm fucking working most of the time, you know. But Or, or doing shit like this. But podcasts, I, just, I don't really have... Sometimes I just, I'm like, hey, I can miss that game of football. It's great, it's great. I've got shitloads of fucking recordings to go through. I really need to at some point. But, you know, and I pay for the broadband, which I've, I've done for, like, for the last seven years anyway. And just those things that I, I do. But, like, I, I, I paid for the living room to be decorated for her. And she felt guilty for that. And she ended up buying the fireplace, which cost her, like, 180 quid. You know, she she paid for that, and and then I, I'm, I'm like, right, well, you know, sooner or later I'm gonna get a carpet for the back room and get the back room decorated and then get the kitchen done and the bathroom done. And she's like, you don't need to do this, Brian. I'm like, well, you can't afford to do it. And honestly, mum, it's not really a problem. I'd just rather you 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 got the opportunity to live in a nice house because we've never really had that opportunity. You know yeah. what I mean? Because we've never been able to afford it. Like I I can afford to help her out. And if I, and, and I said to it, she goes, like, what if you meet someone and you move out? And I said, well, I meet someone and I move out. What's the problem? 
So at the end of the day, you're not going you know, to rip up the carpets. <laughs> no, no, it's just a case of I want my mum to feel comfortable. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. it, you know, and yeah. she can't afford to do it. And this is my way of giving back because she did a lot of little things for me when I was a kid. But and, and this to me is a little thing because I'm not going to miss for really 30 quid on some paint. Yeah. I'm not going to miss 150 quid on a carpet for the back room or whatever it's going to cost. You know, in the long run, I'm not going to miss that. I'm in a stable job where I'm earning money on every four weeks, really. I'm getting, I'm getting a wage every four weeks. If I'm short of money one month, I look at it, like, positively. I'm like, okay, so, you know, in in, in a few weeks, I'm, I'm going to have money again. It's free, yeah. you know. And it's This is the kind of thing that poverty does for you. You just realise these little things. If, if you've got the opportunity to do something, to give back to people that gave to you, even if they gave little to you, just fucking do it. Yeah, man. You know, people don't understand that, and people just say, like, oh, yeah, you're too kind, and I'm like, there's no such thing as being too kind. People Mm. may take advantage of it, but there's no such thing as being too kind. It's just being kind. You know, I love my mum to to pieces, and I want her to live comfortably as she approaches her, you know, her her latter years of her life. I mean, she's 60 next year. Would you believe it, Mark? She's fucking 60 next year. You You wouldn't believe it from looking at it, would you? You know, still, but and still fucking grafting and everything. Still, still, still fucking grafting. While she's got sciatica and arthritis and nervous veins and fucking all, all sorts, she's still fucking grafting. She's yeah. she's my inspiration. Yeah, like my dad was an inspiration in in many ways. He was a fucking workaholic, but my mum's an inspiration now because she's still here and you know going strong and not letting anything fucking get her down in various amounts of illnesses and like because she's also got COPD and. Like, you know, not letting anything get hold her back. And that's my fucking inspiration. That's why I'm a fucking hard worker. Yep. You know, because, like, I, I do it for her, really. I don't just do it for myself. I didn't give myself the, the chance to go to Prague in October, which is a plan. You know, uh, it's not just for shit like that. It's just so I can, like, help my mum out a little bit, you know. Give her, give her a nice home and, uh, you know, just give her a bit of an easier life. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's it, folks. Your parents. You only get one. So, yeah, give them exactly. a nug. Give them a text message if you're not there and give them a nug. Yeah, exactly. I mean, me, me Mark, and Gary, we, I mean, we've mentioned this before. We've only got one, you know, me and Mark have only got one parent each. He's still got his dad. I've only got my mum. And Gary, unfortunately, doesn't have either of his parents. Like, you know, you never know when the time's going to come for them or for you, you know. Yeah. You never know what's, what tomorrow brings. It's like, I always make sure to tell my mum that when I, when I leave for work, you know, any time I leave work, I always say, I'll see you later, mum, you know, uh, I love you, and all that, and just, uh, you know, I, I don't give her a kiss goodbye at the moment because of obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. My, even though she's had her first vaccine, it's like, I'm still in, like, a risky job, so we're not hugging, we're not kissing her like that, but, you know, in, in a normal world, that's what I do, you know, I give her a kiss and a hug before I leave for work and, and that, you know, because she's all I've got, like, you know, I've got my brothers and sisters, but she's my, she's my only mum, you know, that I'm never going to have, and the only parent that I've got left, like, you know, she's, uh, you know, she's, she's still there, and, yeah, that that's it, it just, I know, I know we've rambled on about, like, uh, personal experiences, just because yeah. of Disneyland and all that, but, you know, it, 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 if you're still fortunate to have one of your parents, or even, or both of them, just like, or any family members, like, always tell them that you love them. Yeah, check Make in with Check in with them, make it, make it clear. Fucking send them a message at two o'clock in the morning. Who fucking cares? Like yeah. they'll read it tomorrow. As long as you're checking in on them, they will appreciate it. And that's that's what life's all about. You know. That's it. Everybody likes a text message to wake up to. I mean, yeah. I, I send text messages to Brian for him to wake up to, and but they're usually about fucking 
WCW. <laughs> it would be about something. I think the other day I did it and it was fucking Batista. I'm like, what's this Batista shit going around? <laughs> Everybody else is just sort of like, morning, babes. Hope you have a great day. Love you lots. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And I'm like, Brian, what's happening with Batista? <laughs> okay, well, you just made that sound like you've just got all these gay men messaging you saying, what's up, babes? How you doing? Hey, Grinder will do that to you, man. <laughs> Right, so, so, so we couldn't go to Disneyland in America, but Sting's still there, and uh, he's in the driving seat for the uh, for the early uh, beginning. Of, well, the beginning of this match, basically. Um, and I've lost where I am now. <laughs> we go to a break, and we see another Glacier promo. Uh, and when we come back, Sting is thrown down in a ver- variant of a spinebuster uh, after attempting a leapfrog. Arn continues the onslaught, throwing Sting into the corner hard as we're told a limo has pulled up on the outside of the arena. Uh, Arn slows it down with an abdominal stretch, which Brian detailed as being one of his worst moves. Doesn't yeah. like you don't like it much. It's just a body stretch. It's not going to hurt. No, simple uh, as. He even says knee, that. St- put a knee in the back. That changes everything because that's really going to fucking stretch those muscles and really stretch the bones and ribs and everything like that. It's also going to fucking hurt the spine. That's a crippling move. Just an abdominal stretch. Basic. Yeah. Hurt. It slows yeah. it down and, and gives yeah, him a breather. That, it's just a, a different variation of a wrestled. That's it. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, he, Heenan says that Sting didn't sleep well last night, but Heenan says that he slept like a baby because he knew all along <laughs> about Hogan. Uh, See, just a little <laughs> glimpse of the heel, Heenan, <laughs> but... Sting hip tosses Arn Anderson as a reversal out of the abdominal, uh, but a splash fails and Arn gets a two count from the subsequent uh, two two counts. So sorry from the subsequent reversal. Uh, Sting rolled into a Boston Crab and the kids at ringside are screaming at Pricknatrick that he's holding the rope. Uh, the kids know the rules better than WCW and its officials, folks. <laughs> and we cut back to the limousine on the outside. Just as Sting's getting an advantage, we see the outsiders come out to the ring, who've obviously come out of the limo. Sting off the top rope, goes for a pin and gets a two count as the crowd gets a little bit vocal. Uh, Sting and Arn now looking out of the ring to the outsiders and out comes Macho Man in bright pink out of nowhere. There's a bit of a stir down in between the um, between the outsiders, Arn, Macho and Sting with security in between them. And Arn, uh, Arn attempts to take advantage with a DDT but Sting holds the top rope and locks in a Scorpion death, death lock. Macho partially chases off the outsiders as Sting mounts the rope, perched like a crow, telling them to come get some. And Nash is giving lip service to the crowd. I should have noted, obviously, that, that, that Sting won the match. Uh, Nash is giving lip service to the crowd as we go to Gene and Sting in the ring. I this am fucking, not promo all surprised. What happened last night, I'm not surprised about coming from the two outsiders. But I will say I am very, very surprised at you, Hulk Hogan. But I should have known. I should have known when you were traveling to every town in that big fat limo. I should have known because you didn't want to travel with the Macho Man and Total Package and the Stinger. Uh Uh-uh, you were too busy making big movies and coming in for a little cameo appearance. You were too busy walking on the dark side. I should have known when you referred to the Macho Man and the Total Package and me. It's three little dogs waiting for a chance to wrestle the great Hulk Hogan. I should have known when I looked into your eyes. But you know something? I made a mistake. But you made a bigger mistake. Because last night, you wiped out and trashed every single little kid 
Every single person that was a part of your life that patterned their life after you. You told them to believe in the man upstairs. You told them to say their prayers and to take their vitamins. You told them to believe in themselves. And you know something? It's a good thing you told them to believe in themselves because they sure as heck can't believe in you. By the way... And last but not least, to put the cherry on the top, all those little kids, you told them to stick it. No. You stick it, Hulk. You stick it. That is very strong. By the way, as fate would have it, these two men and their partner last night, Lex Luger got knocked out early in the action, so the two of you had to go against the outsiders. Macho Man Randy Savage, you were very close with Hulk Hogan as I was. You were part of the mega powers. And if anybody got it stuck up or stuck that well stuck to him, you got really got it stuck to you. I get a message for Hollywood Hogan. But what I wanna tell ya and what I wanna do to ya, I can't say you're on television, especially here at Disney. But you take the worst thing that you can think about and you multiply it by the number nine million and then you multiply it by infinity and beyond. It would be just like one grain of sand in the Sahara Desert, brother, because it's really, really scary what I'm thinking and gonna do to you. Yeah! Boy, there is some energy, there is some emotion built up in these bodies, these minds. All of us at World Championship Wrestling still wondering what. Now he says Hollywood Hogan. Hogan. Last night. Yes. Is Macho responsible for this fucking moniker? I have to wonder. I really you, do because I need that to is, research this. Yeah, you really need to do fucking research it now because I'm. <laughs> I, I have to know. I really have to know. God damn it! I have to know. If <laughs> what I want to tell that. you, and do to you, are things that I cannot say at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking brilliant. Right. It, there's a juxtaposition of Savage for the last few months being fucking unhinged and crazy and going out, you know, going out of his way to try and destroy the lives of Ric Flair and Elizabeth and Orin and whoever's surrounding him and all that. And I mean, really fucking, really going fucking mental. But it's that fucking Disney today, so I, I can restrain it. Like, yeah. <laughs> fucking brilliant. Like, <laughs> only the macho man could get away with that. Any other person, I'm like... Yeah, mate, you're, you're, you know, you, you, you don't know what fucking being crazy is. You're fucking clearly putting it on and all that. But no, this is just savage to a T. He can actually hold it back when he wants to, and it's fucking funny. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it works so well with him. I, I have to say that fucking promo from Sting, absolutely fucking excellent. Like really, it's, it's just a perfect promo to starting quite, quite, quite solemn, and then just, it just bubbles all over. And he just yeah. gets angrier and angrier and angrier with each fucking word. And, you know, just a line such as simple as, you told these kids to stick it. You stick it, Hulk. Yeah. But the way he says that, chef's kiss, fucking brilliant. Just, it's just a perfect explanation point. It's, it, you know, it, oh my God, I, I absolutely frothed over this, off this promo. Really, really good. Um, before we move on to what happens next, I've got to say I wasn't really into the main event this week. If I'm honest, I don't I don't know what your thoughts on it. Did you enjoy it? 
I was a bit, a bit slow paced, weren't it? And I think that yeah, was more I, down I, to war, and then it was Sting. Yeah, I think it was they were like they were going through the motions, and yeah. maybe they were trying to sell for the fact that sell the fact that the turn the night before, you know, affects them both. It's pretty much that, but it's just like there's a few problems with it. First of all, these two aren't really in a feud anymore. You yeah, know, that feud is pretty much wrapped up. And Owen isn't like Owen's a great wrestler, he's fine and all, but he's obviously slowing down at this point, and it can kind of harm certain matches. And when the crowd's not really into you, like because they're not popping for him like they have been in previous weeks, it it takes a lot away from the match. Yeah. Then you also add the commentary, who are obviously distracted. Yeah. So the match, it just feels like the match isn't a really big deal, and yeah, it's just such a shame because. You know, this has been a really good natural, and it just seems like the main event kind of let it down. I would have like had Sting versus Booker T in this in the main event because mm. at least like Booker T could be ambivalent about the end of the war because fucking hell, Hall and Heat were ambivalent about the Hall and Nash a few weeks ago when they won the titles. They took advantage of the distraction for fuck's sake. You know, they could have the ambivalence and just say, "I don't fucking care," and they'll give he, he would have uh, Booker would have given Sting a lot more, and it would have just been a more high octane match and more entertaining and. You know, even with the distractions, they would have done, you know, for people in attendance, they would have put on a good show at least. And yeah. I would have paid a little bit more attention, but this match was so many problems with it, and I just couldn't get into it. And it was fine and all, but it weren't spectacular. Not yeah, for a main it, event. It, it was there to, to place other things around it, weren't it? Yeah, it were an exactly. Excuse more of an angle. You. Yeah, totally. You know. um, yeah, I get that completely. Um, just kind of there for the events that were about to unfold. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from what, you know, the storyline, you know, the storytelling is still on par. It's still brilliant. Yeah. And, and 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 that, for for all the main events failings, it, it does, it still does its job. Yeah, the, totally. The commentary doing the job, but everything else, you know, even, even Iron and Sting selling the ambi- you know, the ambivalent, selling the, how it affects them, they're doing their job at the end of the day. It just doesn't make for an entertaining match at this, you know, in that position on the card. Yeah, you know, you you expect a better match in a main event. We have a we have a quick break after Macho's little promo, and um, we see Gene back at the limousine, and he's there with the Outsiders. Nash says that WCW took a beating last night, and that Hulk built the business, and that they uh, appreciate that, while the fans simply don't. He says Hogan will be on Nitro next week to explain all his actions. And then we go to Scott Hall, who says that this portion of WCW Nitro was brought to you by the Outsiders and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I have <laughs> we... to say, like at one point when Kevin Nash says Hulk Hogan, uh, no, Mean Gene says Hulk Hogan sitting at home watching this. Scott Hall just waves his hand and goes, "I Hulk to the, yeah. <laughs> to the camera, like just like a kid, kid on, 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 in the crowd going, "Hi, mum!" Like <laughs> I, I fucking loved it. Just that little nuance. That little nuance, and I'm just like, I had a little chuckle as I'm like, that's brilliant, but it's so Scott Hall as well. It's just like, this is what you expect from these guys, the outsiders. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Nash is wearing a black t shirt, um, a black cap, jeans, and a leather fanny pack. <laughs> but yeah, it still somehow works. It, as ridiculous as it is, it still works. But like, you yeah. you just know you that, that, that fanny pack is like a knockoff Gucci, just because yeah. it's just because it's Kevin Nash, like. Oh my god, I'm just so looking forward to seeing this unfold. I can't can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to seeing what's to come from here. Also Remember? worth noting what Scott Hall was wearing, which is the denim. 
Yeah. And she was told not to wear by the WWF. <laughs> yep, continue. And still putting on the accent, which yeah. I think, to be honest, at this point, he's just on autopilot. He's been doing I that gimmick so, yeah. for years. Yeah. So he just can't, like, snap out of it, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, he's it, 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 not, like, full, doing the full Puerto Rican accent, but he's drifting in and out. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's drifting in and out of the fucking accents more than fucking uh, Charlie Hunnam in, in Sons of Anarchy. You know, uh, he's, he's supposed to be an American, but he's fucking... He, every other word is fucking Geordie because he's from Newcastle. <laughs> right, you know, it, it's it's on... I, I thought you got that reference, to be honest with you, Mark. You know, have you ever watched Sons of Anarchy? I've not watched it, but I've stood about 20 feet away from Charlie Hunnam. So. Okay, but... Well worth watch, real good show. But anyway, yeah, it just reminds me of like Charlie Hunnam. It's just like, he's drifting in and out of the accents. But again, it's like autopilot for him. He, yeah. he can't help it. He's been playing this character for years. It, it can it can at least change the fucking attire, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, he carries on and he says, in that accent, he says, uh, we kicked their butts. Uh, we said we'd kick their butts, and we did. And we crashed the party when you could have just let us through the door. Oh, brilliant then, line. He then calls Gene Scheme uh, Gene. Scheme Gene to his dismay, he then offers him a job with the NWO. Uh, <laughs> and as we close this off, the perfect snapshot of this interview is just Gene in the middle saying, we're going to go back to you, Eric Bischoff. And Kevin Nash just puts his arm around Gene and just gives this che- this fucking proper cheesy grin. And Scott all just pulls a pause. And I just thought that is the right moment to just take a photo. It just yeah. looks fucking so cool. Yeah, I, I was laughing because when he just said, uh, when Scott Hall offers him a job at the NWO and Mean Gene just says, I've got a job with Turner Broadcasting, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> we go back to the I, desk. I, I, just, I love angry Mean Gene. I just really <laughs> love it. Even when he gets angry about someone getting a fucking haircut, like as, as fucking weird as it is, it's just angry Mean Gene. I live for that. I really do. <laughs> We go back to the desk and Bischoff speaks his dismay. Uh, we run into the uh, as we run into the stills from last night's main event. Heenan almost bursts a blood vessel, exclaiming, "The business thrived because of people around Hogan, and it wasn't just him." As we close off, there was a lot more to it, and it was another fucking piece of just a masterpiece from from Heenan here. Yeah, um, even to the point where he slams down his headphones before they go off air and like, "I'm yeah. out of here." Yeah, he's just sort That's... of like, "Well, I've I've said what I said now." So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I've said my piece. I'm, I'm gone. See you next week, Eric. <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing. Not even see you next week, Eric. He's just like, I'm gone. <laughs> Imagine so if got... I did that in the podcast. Like, you know, I fucking hate all Gorgon. But, uh, you know, just, I've said the piece, Mark. <laughs> I'm gone. You can <laughs> finish this podcast on your own. You mean like we did on the fucking watch along? We left Beth on her own for like three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I, went, I went for a piss and you went for a beer. <laughs> yeah. I listened to it back and she was just like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what are these people supposed to be? White rappers? <laughs> She's on about public enemy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so the ratings, the ratings are in uh, 3.5 for Nitro, uh, 2.5 for Raw. And uh, Brian, what, what would yours be as we round this off? We have just watched the best Nitro so far, in my Oof. honest opinion. Four solid four star show. I can't really say even even the little things that were wrong about it, like it just wasn't it, it didn't harm the show overall. Just like from from a storytelling aspect, from an in ring uh, perspective, they, they they did a really fucking fine job. Brilliant I think I, I think I think this could be an you know an all time natural. And I know I know it's getting better in the next couple of weeks. 
we're going to see some really crazy stuff. But in terms of like setting up the foundation for what's to come, and you know, just further furthering the storyline and 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 how it affects everybody, and two fucking cruiserweight matches. Holy fuck, two cruiserweight matches on an episode of Nitro, and not a lot of filler. Just yeah, it, it just. I did not spend a lot of time watching Nitro this week. It just, that's how it felt like. Just it just sped by. Really fucking good show, I have to say, real good. I cannot get, I can't emphasize enough. Like, even with the the downfalls, this was just a near perfect show. Brilliant stuff. Hopefully, change, it just gets better. Ch- yeah, change the main event, and you've got a perfect show. You know, I if you put Sting versus Booker T, I I would guarantee I would have give that give this episode as close to five stars without giving it five stars. Yeah, you know that that's how good this show were. Brilliant. And he, it, not hampered at all by the 600 people in attendance, which is a seriously well, low crowd. But. Yeah, well, I, I was actually going to bring this up at the beginning of the show. It's just like, just how great this looks. Like, this is something that AEW have kind of tapped into. Just the, the outdoor events. Like, yeah. okay, the, the attendance fucking harms it, but you don't, re- you don't think there's 600 fans in attendance. You think there's, you know, a lot more than that. But it just, it looks great. This yeah. is... This is something that I'd wish WWE would do with something like SummerSlam. I mean, some of the WrestleManias feel more like fucking SummerSlam than SummerSlam. Yeah. You know, but, <laughs> like, not, but, I don't know if you agree with this, but I am not of the opinion that every fucking, every episode of Raw, every, every episode of SmackDown, every pay-per-view has to be in an indoor arena. And not every fucking big pay-per-view has to be in a massive stadium. It doesn't have to be like that. You no. could just get... Like, Caesar's Palace at, you know, Las Vegas, where, where WrestleMania 9 was, you know, just that, you know, a few, you know, a couple of thousand fans in it for a SummerSlam, and, okay, yeah, you, you're losing seats, but people would buy into that. They would actually think, this is SummerSlam, and you don't have to do that every year, but just come on, feed us a little bit more. Make it feel like SummerSlam. When it's in an arena and you've got fucking turquoise and a ye- turquoise and yellow logo, doesn't yeah. feel like SummerSlam to me. Like and, and stars in you all go as well. Like what? Yeah. What summary yeah. about stars? Like I don't know. The, the night sky. Well, of course, but it's summer sand. I want sunshine. I want sand. I yeah. want sand castles. For, I want bash at the beach, basically. <laughs> well, that's it. They, they they did that outdoors and Sturgis. Uh, I mean, Wild Road th- Wild. They'll all be outdoors. Um, well, there's this a few year, nitros that are going to be outdoors. In '96, they had bash at the beach in an indoor arena, but they had the the, the background was a fucking a sunny sky. Yeah, yeah. That and they have fake sand. Well, I say fake sand. They had a real sand, but they had a fake beach, basically. A sand castle, which fire, fireworks came out of. You know, that that's what summer sand should be. Yeah. Uh, if if you didn't fucking already believe that WCW were way ahead of fucking WWE in terms of making their events feel individual of each other, because they were ahead of the t- ahead of WWE here. They really were. Like Halloween Havoc, it felt like a Halloween pay per view. Like. Bash of the Beach felt like a summary pay per view. The, 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 the gimmick, actually, you know, the the pay per views felt like the gimmick the gimmick presented to me. Yeah. I fucked that up. <laughs> the, I'll, I'll, I'll try that again. The pay per view feels like, always felt like the gimmick that it was meant to be as presented. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if well, that makes sense, be... but I, I, I think it makes sense. But. I think it's I think it's from 1997 that the spring breakout nitros are all outdoors. Even the the, well, the final nitro was outdoors. Um, 
I'm sure, apart from Roadwild and Hogwild, which has to be outdoors anyway because it's motorcycling events, there's there's plenty, plenty more. It's just something that the the I don't know. They just embraced it. They embraced it pretty well. Yeah. Um, it also gives that more realism feel to it because you look at this and it doesn't look like it's at an arena by any until you actually see like the little things in the background. It doesn't feel like it's in the arena. It just feels like it's in the middle of like fucking Grove Street on GTA San Andreas. Yeah. Like it just feels like it, it feels close to home in yeah. a sense. It yeah. feels like it's just taking part in somebody's neighborhood. Yeah. And you know what? That is a really good presentation for a wrestling show. You know, not WWE in your house, WCW in your neighborhood. You know, it just <laughs> it it just that's how it feels like to me. Yeah. Well, raw, raw results running down. Um, the Ultimate Warrior defeated Owen Hart with Jim Cornette via disqualification. Savio Vega defeated Justin Bradshaw with Uncle Zebegaya, I think it is. Oh, fucking Dutch Mantel. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. I think you've said that before. <laughs> yeah. Probably have, yes. David Boy ta- Smith. Every time I hear Uncle Zebegaya, I go, oh, it's Dutch Mantel. <laughs> if you can't tell, I fucking love Dutch Mantel. I really do. <laughs> One of the great minds in wrestling. And... People fucking credit Vince Russo for TNA's, TNA's peak. Oh, fucking hell. Dutch Mantel was the head writer, not yeah. Vince Russo. Yeah. Dutch Mantel was writing that show. Yeah. That goes... If you didn't fucking already know... you know, If you didn't... If I didn't already believe that Dutch Mantel one of the most... You know, one of the best fucking bookies ever. Because he really is. He really should be doing that today. Uh, he's, he, he was doing the voiceover work, weren't he, for Dark Side of the Ring at one point. Was he? I think he stopped doing it though. Yeah, I think yeah, he did season I, one. I think it's Jericho now. Yeah, Jericho was season two. I don't, I don't remember actually. I don't remember anything of that. But it, yeah. it has been a while since I've seen anything of season one, so I'd have to go back. That's worth running through them again. Um, and I, I apologise for that because I'm burping throughout that. I've just down the rest of my drink. <laughs> <laughs> David Boy Smith and Vader with Jim Cornette and Diana Hart Smith defeated Henry Godwin and Phineas Godwin with Hillbilly Jim. Uh, and the other segments included a, an opening segment in which WWF pre- President Gorilla Monsoon announced that the Ultimate Warrior was indefinitely suspended for failing to appear at three recent house show events. Monsoon offered to allow Warrior to return if he posted an appearance bond to assure the fans that he would, uh, in fact, appear when advertised. It also featured a closing segment in which Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson revealed to Jim Cornette and the world who the new partner would be in Warrior's place, and it turns out it would be Psycho Sid. This was Sid's return after being gone since early in 1996. And uh, yeah. that is it. Early 1996, uh, what was he doing, playing softball? Yeah, probably was. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I, I don't know when softball season is, but that's all I can assume is what he was doing. It still baffles me to this day that he was picking softball over wrestling. <laughs> Could have been the man. Could have been the fucking... To, to be fair, he didn't break no leg in softball. No, true, true. <laughs> Wrestling might, basically killed both the... careers there, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. We're going we're gonna to kill it just like Sid's career uh, right here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you very much to everybody for listening. Uh, NitroGenCast.com is the website. That's live, up and running. As we said, the e-commerce is coming soon. Uh, you'll be able to buy stuff on there if you wanted to. And there'll be all kinds of stuff. Our good friend uh, Gary McDonald is going to be doing the AEW write-ups. And, of course, Brian's going to be over there doing the NitroGen Blogcast. Uh, one day I'm going to get that right. I'm going to get it out all in one. And uh, of course, this episode has been brought to you by Promotion Wars. Uh, the guys over there would like me to let you know that the last time that I said this, I was a little bit drunk. 
So <laughs> that's the disclaimer. Now I'm not. I can let you know that there's over 1,900 wrestlers, there's over 280 match types, and I can let you know that it's a damn bloody good game. It's actually really addictive. Spend hours and hours and hours on that thing. Um, if you think that you can do wrestling better than the current product is today or than anything was in the past, or as Beth said, if you think you can be better than Vince Russo and that's not that hard, then give it a go, give it a whirl, and let us know how you get on at NitrogenCast on all the social media platforms. Um, and that'll be us from me, Marvelous Mark Effort, and from Bordacious Brian Bradshaw. We're going to get out of here. Yeah, let's get to bed because we're both fucking knackered if you can't tell throughout this. We've been talking quite quietly this time. <laughs> yeah, apologies for the titles, but fuck it, you got a really nice episode recently, so fuck you if you don't like it. <laughs> and you can keep that in, I don't even care at this point. I just want to. <laughs> All I want to do is just get to bed. <laughs> On that note, we won't see you again for another episode of the Nightshare Podcast because you're probably not going to see us again. <laughs>